we are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is unfortunately not here. However, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss it movies weekly. However, we like to have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different. But this is one of our fun commentary tracks. This is our commentary track for July 2020, and we're going to be talking Jaws, the Steven Spielberg classic, the film that invented the summer blockbuster. This is what we're doing, and I'm very excited to do it. Joining me to discuss Jaws, we have from Why So Blue and the Cult Cinema Cavalcade podcast, he just caught a tiger shark, it's Brandon Peters. That's some bad hat, Aaron. <laughs> also joining us from the Milky Way Blues, he's lining up to be a hot lunch, it's Yancey Burns. Hey guys, welcome. What? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Bro, nailed me on the, on the tiger shark joke there. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> And lastly, joining us from the HHW LOD Podcast Network and the Nothing's On Podcast, he's actually got a bigger boat. It's Jim Dietz. Hi, I'll do your podcast for you. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. How are you all doing this evening? I do. We're watching Jaws. You know the answer. Okay. Yes. So excited. This is that little-known indie film that no one has ever seen. I can't wait. Yeah, really mm -hmm. bring it. Putting the spotlight up on this one, finally. But, Little known uh, fact, the actor inside uh, Jaws, his name is Richard Keel. I saw that on the internet, so... <laughs> yes. <laughs> little trivia for you guys. In Jaws 2, he falls in love. It's really uh, epic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very sweet, actually, yeah. Yeah, with the girl in the uh, space station, right? Yeah. Jaws has some weird trips, guys, let me tell you. Uh, speaking of weird trips, we're going to do this commentary track. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk all about Jaws. The way we're doing it here, uh, the four of us all have the movie pause currently at five seconds in, and on the sound of go, we're all going to press play and just start talking over the movie. If you're following along, all you have to do is sync up the film to where we have it, as I said, five seconds in, and then just press play when we say go. Uh, if you're just following along and listening without having to watch the movie in the background, for one thing, cool. Also, you should, because it's Jaws. It's fun to watch. Uh, but regardless, you do whatever you want to do and just enjoy this commentary track. We're going to get this thing going and just start talking all about this movie. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. Yes, yep. sir. Three, two, one. Jaws. Trick jaw, we're watching Cruel Jaws. Ha-ha! <laughs> we're watching Jaws 3D. Ha-ha! <laughs> so, this is another movie that, in recent months, I would consider perfect that we've done for this commentary track. Yes. We talked Crouching yep. Tiger, which was, as we know, a perfect movie. We've talked about other movies that are also equally very, not no. equally, but also very good. Now we're talking Jaws. A movie that Which, I, I I call perfect. <laughs> well, what is your criteria for a perfect movie? I mean, what what makes a movie a perfect movie to you? I think it's it's kind of the epitome of some of a film that does everything it's trying to do and exceeds in every single way possible. Where regardless of like how the production came together, the ending result is a film that just defies all expectation. Uh, has a, a a massive amount of everything you want from it, whether it's entertainment or insight or any number of things, and is intensely re the rewatchability factor. I think matters too. It's like I can, you can endlessly watch this movie. You can endlessly watch Crouching Tiger. I think it just continu continues working, and and it's there's a time. I think a timeless element matters as well as also you can. It doesn't matter that this movie's 45 years old, which is what part of our talking. It's it's the 45th anniversary of Jaws. It just it is. It exists, and it all will always exist, and it will always be the movie that it is, which is, you know, just perfect. <laughs> That's well, the best right. way I can say it. The, I mean, the great, thing, I mean, come for the thrills and the, the scare, and then come back and notice like how just great the character exchanges are from uh -huh. the dialogue on the page just to the actors. Uh, with, I mean, it's not a stack like cast of people. Like there's not a ton of people, and there's a lot of little 
one-liner people here and there, but yeah, I mean, even they're ter- they're fun and terrific and memorable. But I mean, between Scheider, uh, Shaw, Dreyfus. Uh, Gray, Dreyfus, and the mayor, Hamilton, guy, like yeah. Ham- yeah, like Murray Hamilton, yeah, it's yeah. just outstanding. Just <laughs> Murray Hamilton, Richard Atherton before there was Richard Atherton. Yeah, there's a there's a good there's a good uh, balance <laughs> yes. um, in the dialogue and, and the way they play it between big blockbuster theatrical and grounded down to earth. It meets the fine medium in between where it's like I'm watching a movie, but I understand these people. It's not overly like knit and grit with that, and it's not overly stagey. Played, well, this you know feels. This feels like a new, uh, like a. It, it still feels like a new Hollywood movie, even though it was obviously mm-hmm. the one of the movies that ended New Hollywood. But uh, and there's a thing Spielberg used to do in his early movies, and I've always missed it ever since. No matter, he's still a great filmmaker, obviously. But up until around E.T., he would cast the small parts with obvious locals, mm-hmm. so you get a lot of these weird, right. sort of weirdo little character one-liners that would appear very naturalistic weirdos that would appear throughout the movies. Mm-hmm. And that sort of it sort of foregrounded the lead characters more. The movie star figures, sort of the movie star performances felt a little bigger. I don't know what it was, but it must have just been a sort of thing, a, a, a thing they were doing everywhere in, in New Hollywood at the time. Well, his movies more. also got bigger after ET, yeah. also as far as like scope yeah. and even like the time and place it's set in, where everything. But like... he stopped doing it in Raiders. I think that was the first one where he didn't do it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because it doesn't. I mean, it's. There's a stylization there, isn't there, with Raiders or even like his, you know, Empire of the Sun, like the things in the '80s he was doing, like where they're. You can, I mean, he I mean, was putting big names in small parts in Raiders. Alfred Molina for the opening. I mean, come yeah. on, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I understand. <laughs> right. I, maybe it's maybe it's shooting on set. The, the, well, I think no, it's, I think it's a, another like he, there's like a lot more planning that has to go into like the kinds of movies he's making at that point, right? Like there's. I mean, yeah, but well, he's. I still. I would argue he's never. His, this is the best directed movie of his career, I would argue. <laughs> so something was going on, right? I, I think one of the things, too, it's not just the side characters, but his leads early on where people like he saw the potential in a side actor to be the lead actor. When you when you have, um, you know, like here with Roy Scheider, who was told famously by William Friedkin that he's not a lead actor and this is kind of the, uh, up yours. And then he gets the lead in Sorcerer when. Was, he was, was the lead in the Seven Ups. So I was going to say the Seven Ups is the Seven Ups is like one of my favorite post Serpico seventies oh, comics. Oh yeah, it's awesome, but it's solid. And, and I mean, but this is the one that people saw with Scheider right, being, right. you know, and it showed the world. And also, like, uh, even go to like Poltergeist. Craig T. Nelson like wasn't huge, but he, you know, he was there, and he's putting these people. And you could argue even uh, Dreyfus with Close Encounters, like he was a side guy in movies and then he takes the the main stage so he he has that movie and then he wins an oscar for his other movie that year (laughs) right yeah roy scheider certainly never would have gotten to give that performance and all all that jazz if he hadn't been in jaws i'm sure no we need to we need need to get back to this because we're talking all over this like opening scene of like terror (laughs) people have seen it people know i know but i just want to like give some acknowledgement to the fact that we saw the opening sequence which i think is actually terrifying like no the the girl's performance in the water is haunting like it is it feels genuine it's shot pretty perfect as far as like ex- expressing both terror as well as like i like a, a sense of mystery like i don't know what's happening to me right now but it's awful I, like i don't it's know perfect. It's... yeah i don't know if i'd uh, agree with yancey that's his best movie but it's definitely his most economical movie like it's 
it's very like it's very it's almost Spartan, you know what I mean, in the way that well, it, it, it is yeah. pacing and like uh, it's, it's uh, plot points and like the whole you know latter half of the movie is just those three actors playing off each other. Um, I mean, it's, it's a very small, contained story compared to like some of the big epics you would do later. I mean, it's very yeah. economical and very and you know because of the shark difficulties and everything. So. This I wouldn't the, say, yeah, I wouldn't say overcome it's best, the movie. Like I wouldn't say it's his. I wouldn't say it's his best movie. I think E.T. or A.I. or or Schindler's List or one of those is probably his best movie. But I, I think this is his best. Put it this way: I once, I, maybe twenty years ago, they they were showing a uh, Universal struck a bunch of new prints of their sort of uh, legacy titles, and they were screening them at the Universal Amphitheater. And one night, they screened beautiful new prints of Psycho and Jaws back to back as a double feature. Oh wow! And I left having seen both many times before, but I left convinced that there were no two finer examples of narrative screen storytelling anywhere regardless they are, they are both sort of genre escapist movies but not not worrying about that but just thinking about the actual screen storytelling i mean the mastery here yeah, is, the craft is, absolutely is just i mean this this so it's it's just every shot is it's just it's such a you know in its own way it's as much a display of virtuosity as citizen kane it's just not as heavy a movie it's, but it's, it's weird that my mind is trying to say no you're wrong but i'm like why i love jaws is my favorite spielberg movie and one of my right. one of my favorite like like literally like if you ask me right now what my favorite movie of all time is like jaws is in that short list right now it revolves it, like into different things but like lately i've just been like my default has kind of been jaws among like two or three others like it's just this is the movie that i keep coming back to right it's now. not a moment i would change not a not a frame at a place somehow in this movie and considering how frantic and terrible the production was it's, it's just a miracle that it works on every level so well well it's another yeah. movie we were talking about recently that's like a miracle movie as far as how it somehow managed to come together despite everything working against it right Go- ghostbusters was one of those it's one of those um oh it, i mean it's a little it's minor big comparison but like the the, the, the born we were talking about the born identity at some point where it's like that's a movie where everything seemed to be going wrong it was like doug lyman shoots thousands of feet of film and yet somehow he made a mm-hmm. like a smash blockbuster hit that turned matt damon into an action star people say that about most movies that, that the reality of most movies is there's such a mess until they enter editing you never can tell what's going to be right I, but i can't imagine this had so much going for it in just the talent of the young spielberg who's well, like, so the, the thing with this major. is like yes this was a a troubled production as far as there were a lot of problems making everything work, but Spielberg is a, he's storyboards, everything, every shot. This is, especially must er, have been yeah, storyboarded too. Oh, yeah. Every perfect. shot he had, like every shot he has is like in mind. Like he knows exactly what he wants to do. It's just a matter of getting to achieve it. That made it difficult for but him. But there's nobody else. I, I would argue that there is nobody else going back to this night of hit psycho and, and, and Jaws. There's nobody else who does that with as much wit as Spielberg other than Hitchcock in terms of putting the camera exactly where it needs to be for every moment to have the maximum impact and the maximum sort of fun. I don't know what it is. The scene we just saw was a really good example of that. I mean, the the impact, I mean, the actual effect of the dead woman, according to IMDb trivia, they said they had a woman buried in the sand because the fake arm didn't look real enough. But I mean, that wasn't like uh, incredibly horrific, but you see the deputies, uh, response first, right? And then you see mm-hmm. Brody's response, and, like, it really builds up the the, hor- the horrific, you know, reveal. And, I mean, like you say, you know, everything builds on everything else. This is, you know... 
Well, going it's, to the theater. It isn't by mistake. Yeah. Real, 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 real quick. Yeah. This is this is one of those scenes with like a character that's in this for like a scene. The the exactly. sec- person taking the, she does karate. Know, the secretary <laughs> and just like the way she delivers the lines, the way she walks into the room, it's a very specific kind of performance. It's for someone that's you know pro- probably not a major actress in any way. Just like someone she's probably like, a local, and he yeah. really yeah. he really made that work. Just like that guy who says a what? When yeah. He says tiger shark. Or the other guy who has that great long soliloquy. When they're out boating and he's at the front of the boat and he's like, boy, their fathers will wish they never met their mothers when we, they run we've been, into the... We've been talking about this a lot lately as far as like the movies that separate from others as far as why they stick with you. And it's not because of like their major moments, those certainly help, but it's also the stuff. It's that right. stuff that like is in between a lot of the big scenes that makes makes it even more special or gives you a, mm-hmm. a unique feeling that you can't get otherwise. It's fully and, realized like a lot of, you know, don't a lot of. Or things films. cannot care and yeah or films just of not Carl necess- Gottlieb right the writer yes of the the novel um of the screenplay um Peter Benchley's another novel. one of these guys uh, yeah <laughs> this movie is full of these I always want to do like oh a, what did like Gottlieb super... I just what did Gottlieb write that I like just the watched jerk or... he wrote the jerk yeah it's uh there's some random trivia I just like saw with Carl Gottlieb was like he wrote that also you know, it's it's crazy watching like due to due to wonderful 4K releases recently. I've been able to watch this, uh, Doctor Strangelove, and Lawrence of Arabia recently. Uh, check them out, and I'm just and and just looking at them like one of the things lacking in a lot of today's films. And granted, they you know not everybody has the money and stuff, and but the bigger ones like they, these feel shot for the big screen. Like they oh, really sure. play even on the small screen, and they know how to fill a frame. They know how to do th- and it's just a shocking difference in what we get like now compared to then and i feel like people don't realize they're shooting for a big screen anymore almost some do some do and just the way the frames fill themselves out is just you just can sit and stare it's and find to, stuff and, yeah. and it's not distracting stuff it's not like oh we just loaded this with crap it's just nifty to look at and see what it tells you visually and how it's realized and how it brings this to life which i don't think thought of with i mean that's a, a that's a major point you're making brandon you're absolutely right is that that's very fundamental when people start thinking that we're watching movies most of the time on television or worse on a computer or a phone real quick it really stops being an issue of this is going to be a huge screen and people are going to luxuriate in the images mm-hmm. and get lost in it. it really you know like would people notice the magnificence of these uh anchors on this on murray hamilton's jacket here would this even would they even bother getting this jacket for this scene if if they thought this was mostly going to get watched on the laptop. You know? Yeah. Real, real, real quick. You want to talk about economical. The sh- the shot, this whole shot is one scene right here where, yep. the, yeah. where, where, the, where the mayor pulls in on the, onto the ferry with these other guys and the camera's never going to cut away as he gives this entire dialogue to Roy Scheider about why and he it, shouldn't close the beaches. And it's there's, timed, there's, it's timed perfectly to the ferry ride too. Yeah. Right. And, and there's not this, a, pa- there's not enough yeah. patience in editing nowadays to let this happen. <laughs> Murray Hamilton is so great in The Graduate and in this and in a lot of movies. But I love how, again, here they got the structure of the it's Murray Hamilton is is very much an actor and seems like a movie actor. Carl Gottlieb is sort of in the middle. And then this other guy is is clearly like a local. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 I've changed my, you know, I, I do feel it was a boating accident or whatever. It's just perfect. Just the, all this, this whole st- like, just the way he's holding yeah. this camera here, like, this isn't yeah. easy either. Like, it's like, no. like you have to like plan all this out, coordinate. What is this, this Bill Butler? And... If someone, yeah, Bill just... Butler's a cinematographer. Yeah. Trips up a and line. Somebody's a camera operator too. Is someone special? 
I mean, does this take like three days? Did they get it like in a day? I mean, it's. Yo, shark. It's crazy. God, that jacket is just magnificent. I want that so badly. You have to hit these marks. Yeah, I mean, focus could be a problem. It's it's a hell of a feat. His other, like, stooge, that'd be like Richard Kind in, like, a 90s movie. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's a great... This... I was watching the other night with with, with my family here, and this this sequence for the next five minutes may be the most masterful sequence in the whole movie, the way they set up the tension oh, just and the anxiety. Watch. Oh, God, just yeah. starting with, and of course, it's, it's not the kind of thing, politically correct thing to say, but starting with the shot of an overweight woman going into the water, which is a very Hitchcockian joke of, oh, well, the shark's going to have a meal there with that woman. Yeah. Like, every shot is a- a- is angling up and on Roy Scheider's tension here. It's so, well, you know, it, the guy, the guy going, back you have the Pippet. woman. You have Pippet. the woman walk into the water. Yeah, the Pippin with the dog. You have the woman walk into the water to, just to get to the kid. So you understand the kid. He has red shorts on, so it's very identifiable. You yes. track him for a while to get to Brody, but you always have that in the back of your mind, though. Now you get another shot of him, so you get a reminder. You're gonna get another shot of him as well, so you get a three. You get the three times. Just yeah. magnificent. The and the, and, the, you got and the they're dog. all like, they're all like water level shots too. You know what I mean? They're not yeah. above. They're not below. Yeah. They're like right at eye level. Yeah, good. Overweight really put, puts you in in what's going on while it happens. A high percentage noticed... of this movie is shot from water level on purpose to give And the audio, even the audio is layered so well. Everything yeah. sounds naturalistic, but it's layered. Like There's the guy lot... with the guy yeah. playing with his dog doesn't sound like a guy in the yeah. background of another movie. It's like a real guy playing with his dog, and the cuts on the, and these cuts. No, these on cuts the, on to Rush Scheider by... are perfect, just like the way. Oh goes man, right. it's just the tension. What, his subtle well, rise right here, like right here, where he gets slightly concerned. And it's just another person. It's the guy. It's the it's bad Harry. guy. He's yeah. going to come up to him later. Like, I, also, you, I also noticed, like, too, like, you could definitely tell him and De Palma hung out. <laughs> Especially, oh, yeah, the, the, the like, I'm after, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, show you. That was That's, a that was their thing, man. They were like, oh, yeah. Oh, there's a ton of split diopters right here. Yeah. Split diopters. Yeah. You know, I don't see many daylight split diopters, too. I always feel like it's indoors or at nighttime. That's a fun word. It's a daylight one. Probably well, the easier problem to with manage. that kind of shot is you would never now assume that was anything special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you right. would assume that was just a bad, you know, CG mock-up of some weird, you know. We mentioned uh, De Palma. We mentioned Hitchcock a few times. There's a lot of vertigo in this movie. I was, I was, oh, yeah, about, yeah, I was yeah. thinking about the last time I watched this. Like, there's a lot of vertigo. I mean, you obviously have the vertigo well, yeah, shot. Yeah, you have well, the vertigo well, shot, well. obviously. But even look at, like, look at, well, like... Well, those 70s look, guys were champions of that movie. Like, they sure. were the ones that we found out later, oh, it is a good movie because... Yeah, so they're, well, they're expressing Scheider's fear of the water in those but terms. He, but even just this like great. the nature of the character, you have Roy Scheider. He's a he's a fearful cop, just like Jimmy Stewart yeah. in Vertigo. You have Bad Lorraine, Hat Harry. Lorraine Bad Gray. Harry. Lorraine Gray has hair like Kim Sorry. Novak. I mean, there's Sorry. just there's, yeah. like, oh, there's a lot of connections to Vertigo here, which I, I was just noticing more the most recent time that I watched it. That's true. Yeah. Now she is like the most fortuitous example I can think of of the old cliche of you have to put the boss's wife in your movie. Like she's great in this. Like I wouldn't want anyone oh, yeah. else in this. But in fact, isn't she like should Seinberg's wife or somebody's wife that that it was sort of a favorite yeah, back? It was, well, she was a it was TV Sheinberg, actress. It was Sid Seinberg's wife. Yes, she, okay. she was she was brought into the movie based off that fact. But it helps that you know she's very good in the movie. Because I can't think of any other movie she's in other than the fourth Jaws. Or the Jaws second two, Jaws. Yeah, well, Jaws she. Put, I mean, between Jaws two and the the fourth one, she was like done acting. I don't yeah. think she did. She's in uh, Car Wash a little bit, which is Car Wash. Oh, okay. she, right. yeah. yeah, she's perfect. She's in, uh, 19, perfect. She's in 1941. Ah, okay. But like a lot of people are. That's more of like a, hey, you want to be in a favorite do a favorite. She is in forty one, yeah. Yeah. We got the dog we missed the dog and now we got the boy. This is where we earn that PG rating. Yep. yep. <laughs> Which is like Alex, look at that. It's so Alex brutal. Kinter. 
Every mm-hmm. time I watch it, it's like, there it is. The shot, there it is. There it is. Sure. There we go. Yep. That, that, uh, that dolly shot every time. This is under 20 minutes into the movie where the worst thing that could have happened has happened at the beach now. I'm telling you, this last five minutes is the most... You could learn everything you need to learn about how to make a, a movie, especially a, a oh, suspense yeah. movie. Just Editing, those five shooting, just like that everything's five minutes. there. And I'm sure that was a, I'm sure that was a quarter of a page on the script. Uh, on the, you know, you know, the, the, you know. I'm sure that was not much in the, on the page, and he turned it into this amazing symphony of whatever you know of this guy's anxiety. Great subtle yeah. character. Great subtle character work early on. So you have Roy Scheider not going in the water, barely getting his feet wet. Well, he's afraid of water. He's just opposed to the end of the movie, where it's like I got to do everything here, and I'm like all over the water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> afraid, just like Timmy Stewart's afraid of heights and vertigo. Uh-huh. He's afraid of drowning. Yeah. Now, I mean, nowadays they would have filmed this with like CGI tearing into the kid, you know, CGI shark tearing into him and stuff. Mm-hmm. That shot was just the kid. Red bubbling up. We yeah. see the red on the water, and then we see the ripped up raft afterwards. I mean, like, you know, you're saying it's, it's just not good, beautiful visual storytelling. You know, he's not like, you know, he's showing us what we need to see, not not what, you know, what. And a lot of, I, I see a lot of obviousness in like in, in, in filmmakers nowadays. They just mm-hmm. feel like they have yeah. to show you everything and every or little explain detail. or apologize for things like exactly. the bad guys can't be bad. They have to have some bit of, right. you know. Like, this no, is he's, like, he's you know, this is the opposite of that. You know? I, I just, I, this story I read uh, while getting ready for this is really weird. Lee Fierro, who played Mrs. Kinter, mm-hmm. or Kinter, mm-hmm. uh, walked into a seafood restaurant and noticed that the menu had an Alex Kintner sandwich on it. Oh, my God. And then she, uh, while she was sitting down to eat, the owner of the restaurant came out, and it was Jeffrey Voorhees, the kid who played her son. Oh, okay. They, they had not seen each other since they made the movie. Oh, that's fun. I like how there's a little kid named Voorhees that got eaten by something and died, died, yeah. in, died, died yeah. in the water. Interesting. Huh. You know what is great? Like, like um, Jaws is a universal movie. It goes in that good, you know, pantheon of the classic monsters and stuff. They also have Jaws. They have Norman Bates. It's like mm-hmm. Universal's got an arsenal. Yeah. And and they resisted because of Spielberg. Of course, they've had they have they haven't been able to redo it, and they've wanted to clearly in the last 30, 40 years or however long it's been. Like, like this I mean, plays well. Like I showed this to my kids, and they like got jumped at it, and they like a year okay. year well, so brings, they loved it. To, to be fair, I mean Universal did make three sequels. I mean it's not sure, like they yeah. left it alone. And like sharks. Have, by the time Spielberg sharks have was... proven to sharks have proven to be the most popular thing outside of you know some kind of alien thing as far as movie monsters go. There's so many shark movies. It'd be Right, but Jaws, I, I, I feel like Jaws been, would be a big deal. I, I suppose, but I feel like I think Universal seems deal. to. I think they seem to recognize how redundant it would be to make a Jaws reboot. Oh know? come on! Given all the shark... so naive. You want to say that, right? but here we are, forty five years later, and they haven't no, done it yet. I mean, they have, it's because Spielberg. So that's, they don't want to piss them off. Well, they don't want to piss off Spielberg. He doesn't want them to make any more of these. Uh, I, I will say it's this like Zemeckis though, and uh, and uh, and the uh, same thing with Back to the Future. Like they would have made that in a second. It wasn't because of it wasn't because of restraint. It wasn't restraint on their part. We shouldn't make another Jaws. It's in bad taste. They would have been pumping these out ten oh, of these since then if, if, if Spielberg go. hadn't been. They made three of them. <laughs> yeah, they made they three did. of them. But by the time they made the third one, Spielberg. But when was it comes, Spielberg that's different than remake. Power. That's different than a remake. Like if you're remaking, you're treading well, on Spielberg. A, the sequels were just like whatever. Right, but by the time 1987 rolls around, he's big enough that he can. Swing his weight around and say, "Don't even make any more of these movies if you want me to work for your studio." Well, the last one was a TV movie. They weren't gonna. He hasn't made a Universal movie since what? Uh, what was the last Universal uh, uh, movie he made? The War Horse or something? Always? What, what are you talking about? Schindler's List was for Universal. Universe, uh, Schindler's List, then. 
That was kind of a big one. Yeah, but I mean, that's 93. Like, that's been a minute. <laughs> well, the DreamWorks, right? He's been I sorry, say, Lost World. I, I got to see this in the theater. I, I, when they put out the Blu-ray of it, they re-released a, a 1080p, I think it was, version, or 4K version to film uh, theaters with a limited run. And it was showing four times that weekend, and every showing was sold out in full. I mean, this movie has that that kind of you know grip on the public consciousness. Second of all, I cannot overstate what a huge Robert Shaw fan I am. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. For, Force Ten from Navarone is like one of my favorite movies. Um, so I just wanted to mention that he's so good. He's great in this. No, he's great, and him and Dreyfus like did not get along at all from oh, what yeah, I've read. They hated each other. Like they hated each other. Because Shaw was like a manly man, and Dreyfus is like you know. West Coast or East Coast intellectual, you know, they rubbed each other the wrong way. But that tension really comes off on the screen. It's beautiful. The Lost World is the last one because DreamWorks is established at that point, and then Amistad is like the he's big... still involved in producing stuff over there, though, For right? Sure, yeah, I get it. So yeah, they don't want to piss off. Uh, if you're on pit, you wouldn't want to piss off Spielberg. So that's. I'm sure he's not a dick about it, but I mean, it's just the way it is. I think it's the way he probably it just gives you raise an eyebrow and they're like, ah, well, yeah, that's a bad yeah, idea, yeah. Stephen. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I still think it, you could acknowledge that it'd be redundant to make a Jaws remake given all the. It'd be redundant to make a lot of remakes. There's some idiot that doesn't true. think it is. There's some idiot over at Universal that probably doesn't think it is. They'll remake what other it. Property, they'll what, re- other, what other property besides Jaws and Back to the Future has not been remade at last, this point? Last Starfighter. Well, that yep. has. That's capital that they thought that they think would make money. Put it that way. Last Star Wars wasn't a big hit at the time. Dark so. Dark Man. <laughs> Dark Man's already. I guess. Yeah. The French Connection. Jaws and Jaws and Universal. Oh, Universal. Jaws the Revenge. Yep. <laughs> Jaws and Back to the Future. Both back back the <laughs> no, they're like they're like all right, Stephen. What? Not Jaws. E.T. We make Jaws 3D. Why is there, oh, why is there no E.T. too? Because Spielberg. Well, I think it's funny the relationship with like Jaws, the creature from the, the Black Lagoon, and the Jurassic Park movies, where they they all have you know your initial monster attack, and then they go to um, having a park open with people. Move. They have that movie yeah. with them as well, where they're like, "Here's the exhibit. Everybody come. Oh no." True. Which Jaws 3D is, of course, the best of those. <laughs> Oof, Jaws 3D. I'd argue that's the worst of the series. It is the worst I, of the no, series. No, it's yeah. so boring. It's, it's boring. So that's the problem. Boring. Jaws the Revenge yeah, yeah. is a terrible movie, but it's not it's boring. It's entertainingly <laughs> bad. It's really yeah. funny. Yeah. All right, here's my, here's, here's my foundational question I wanted to make sure I asked. This is the thing I texted you guys before, saying I have a question about Jaws, and something Brandon said, oh, no, the shark is not real. No, no. <laughs> here's my question. All right, so this movie is amazingly going to be 50 years old in five years. 50 years old, which is which is unthink. That's like as old as it's hard to imagine so old. They're 50 year olds, right? It's yeah. going to be 50 years old now. Most of the time, there was a book that came out recently that was a big seller that offended all the movie people like me because in it the guy basically said that all movies before Star Wars are worthless because they didn't start to make good movies until then. They're just too oh, boring. Really? They're too slow. It was oh. a uh, some. He was he was going for a shock. It was the number one bestseller where the guy basically was touting. It was a book yeah, about right, movies. Right, okay. Anyway, is there anything about this movie that would not? What about this movie would make it old fashioned to a modern audience? And if there's nothing, then what does that say about how much or how little movies have changed since 1975? Because I would argue that there's almost nothing 
that you would I mean, this movie isn't slow. It's not. I mean, it, w- it would certainly be dumbed down for today, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about. Do you want me to let me tell you what Twitter would tell you? No, I don't want to know. Tw- I, don't, you know hot takes <laughs> I can tell you what Twitter would say. I'm just There's, saying it's three white dudes yeah, going okay. on an adventure. Okay, all right, yeah. That's beside the point. I would argue that doesn't make it old-fashioned, because that just still seems status quo for most movies. I'm just saying, if you say you can't watch The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, I understand. You don't like the larger-than-life, the theatrical performances and the way that people were acting, and you you just can't buy it. It doesn't feel real to you. You can't watch those movies. It's your loss, but fine, I get it. Is there anything about this movie, which is, again, almost 50 years old, that someone who's 20 years old or or 25 and was not a complete idiot is there anything they would complain about in terms of the way it's made in terms of people you know, people are very finicky about the suspension of disbelief right now they're yeah. very very finicky about yeah they lack imagination because they right. can the computer is not a good, everything and it's no it's not it's not not a they, good thing but this movie would i think this movie would still pass there wouldn't be some scene everyone was joking about on monday at work the next day you know like haha that one scene was terrible i don't think so so what does that mean about it feels like a modern movie to me, well, except I mean, that it's obviously not there's no CG. But in terms of how you would make it, how would you? I, I mean, I've I've grown up in the environment and times that I have, so I can't speak for a younger audience's thoughts on other than my kids. But you know, I, I, I mean, outside, I'm, I'm influencing them myself. So outside of the sheen that the movies have compared to you know the 2000s versus the 70s as far as you know how the movie looks which you know that's negligible what you're what you're asking i mean 2020 you could make a movie look like this it would be a throwback look but you could do it even then there's still like a texture that movies even even though they try to do that just can't quite capture this look i lost of course i lost my train of thought i'm watching i mean it does (laughs) hold on shots a lot longer than a modern film would uh, if you're talking again, blockbusters, like I mean that—that's a thing, though. I mean, uh, I, mean I don't know. If we were to compare this to the, best I remember what I was going to say. I mean, the, the, what you're—you're you're asking like what make you know what sta- what makes this stand out or like what what an audience would feel or whatnot. I I think the the point of part of the success of this movie <laughs> and like why it stands so strong is that it's it it invented as I mentioned it invented the star blockbuster it it invented like modern blockbusters right like I mean that's Mm-hmm. What did it do differently? Why, why? Why? We haven't talked about that, but why was this such a big hit? Why was it such a big hit? Because I mean, there were movies that were spread it's in cool. wide. There were movies that were spread in wide release beforehand, but it was still there was still a lot of you know movies traveling around town or going you know not being available all the time everywhere in the same way that movies are now when they open certain you know big movies. Um, this one was a mix of that and like the pre-marketing sales. As far as it's based off a giant novel, that's a huge hit. And right. leading up to that, just like, similar to Batman, you had the T-shirts, you had the video games, you had like all the marketing pre-release stuff was there and available to get you psyched about Jaws. Everyone needed yeah, to see none Jaws. Of that there was, uh, it's, none of that it's, it's, it's also it's PG. Everybody can see it. Everyone like, can see it. Something that was huge, so like, like the Godfather. It's the Godfather's rated R. It can't. Yeah, everybody can't go see it. I'm assuming none of us have any memory of how the Godfather or Jaws were marketed. At the time, so no, but, I, I, but I, I mean, you're asking me, how do I know it was a big? So I'm telling you, right? Why. I know, I mean, but I, I'm I studied up on like why it is the way it is. Tried, but oh. the big difference is the success is completely word of mouth. For me to be watching this now, and for you to be watching this now, there are plenty of movies that are just as much money behind them that no one's talking about that were made this that same year. Well, what are you we're asking? talking. 
I, I guess I, I got because you. I thought you were asking why was it a hit then. I'm telling you why it was a hit then. Or are you, are you asking why do people know this movie now? What, well, I guess I'll ask is what was different about this that makes it more modern than even a lot of other movies from 1976. I don't know if it makes it more modern. It's just a better movie. It's a better movie. Yeah. Mean, yeah. That, yeah, that's the point right there. I, think. I mean, here's the thing. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a movie that's it's a mix of being both in a higher class of film, but also one yeah, that's... It's, it's a, but also, but all, all the presidents of men, but, uh, let me great year talk, for Let movies. me keep talking then. Let me, geez. <laughs> like, I mean, it's... Yes, it's a it's a mix of... It falls into those categories as far as well as the movies you just mentioned as far as being very good, but also it's... Like Brandon said, it's PG. It's why it's accessible to everyone. And there's, you know, the the basic plotting is so it, it's so simplistic as far as what it's trying to do. It doesn't need you to be up to date on current events. It doesn't need you to be in certain mind space. You can just be like, I want to watch this monster movie right now. Anyway, yeah. and it's and it's half monster movie, which is very appealing to anybody because that's why they're so popular for you know oh going on a century, and it's half adventure movie, which is also exciting to everybody. I mean, there's there's a universal appeal there. And it's made by Universal Studios, and it and it comes from a master filmmaker who knows how to do this stuff, which is why his other movies are also giant hits. And if you liked it, you had to go back and back and back and back. It wasn't going to be on TV for years, right. and you didn't have home video. You could probably pick up a 16 millimeter like cut down. But that's weird at home. Many, any but, you could go see any movie you wanted, as many times you wanted back then. I mean, it probably there played yeah, not everyone wants this. to. Not everyone wants to play all the President's Men 20 times in a row, but you can play Jaws easily. Yeah. And you know what's crazy about... I don't about, think you can play any movie 20 times in a row. I can play this movie 20 times in a row. I could not. That's the difference. That's, I don't understand. I, that, why we, I mean, I, I, I do, could watch this as I was this in, as growing up in the 90s, and I rented VHS yeah. for Blockbuster. I'd watch it You like watched it the whole weekend, yeah. 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 Right, but why, in that case, if you really were going to watch it 20 times in a row, why would it be any different than all the presidents and men? They're both equally tight. You're, the fact that one is escapist and one is more serious, after 10 times or so, you're not going to care about that anymore. I mean, the best way I can explain <laughs> that question is, well, here we are walking watching jaws again i mean talking about it just like everyone else watches jaws all the time you don't see all the president's men at the drive-ins and the pop-ups during the summer at outdoor screenings right and the answer unfortunately is because that was the, the what this movie did that wasn't sadly really that one's more timely yeah. too you'd think although, they'd put it although, up. is that I more would, time look at this movie we're talking we're I talking I would, I would pay a I'm lot trying, though wait a minute wait a minute i would joke. pay a lot if there was a ride at universal studios based on all the president's men oh, I, I love I would, it. I ride, yeah, you ride through an office full of you're in a desk smoking with typewriters you know there's like flames and yelling around you and stuff yeah yeah you go Brandon. in the dark room with the flashlights and what'd you say, Brandon? If you want to talk, <laughs> if you want to talk about timely, this movie's far more timely than all the presidents been right now because we're literally talking about some kind of existential threat that's out there. Both, you have, double you have feature. The, you have double the man. Feature. You have the man in charge denying that it's a problem and keeping the beaches open. This is a very relevant movie right now. No, you're very right. You're very right. You're very right. I think the I, critics at the at the time, and I think the answer I was looking for, and I just realized myself, is probably that this is the beginning of what would be considered B material being rendered A plus style. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. yeah All yeah, President's Man is also A plus, but it's 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 heavier adult, more adult material. This could have been done like Gri- we've all seen Grizzly. I mean, I don't know if we've all seen Grizzly, but Grizzly is a ripoff of this. It was done. Yeah, I yeah, probably yeah. saw. That, it's a, a lot of fun. A... But that, here's the thing that people might forget with Jaws. It inspired a whole slew of knockoffs that mm. nobody mostly remembers. Oh like there was a whole like frogs and and anything Arana. like um, orca. You mentioned reptilicus. I like, think frogs for Jaws. 
Frog is not a Jaws knockoff. Was Frog's not a Jaws? Okay. I think Frog's a 72 or something. There's a shitload of nature attacks. How about about the Meg? The Meg. Or or, uh, uh, any number of shark movies that have come out since then. Or, I mean, when when Jaws came out, I was the only one who was probably, like, not in diapers when this came out. I was, like, eight or nine or something. You know, I remember after this, there were, like, like Brandon said, there were a ton of movies trying to capitalize on the success. You know, the the deep, which was the other Peter Benchley novel that got adapted. You know, uh, like yeah. you said, Orca. Uh, I mean, all the way to like I said, Jason Statham and the Meg. I mean, shark movies never really went away. If you're a fan of mystery science theater, God knows there are like five or six different shark movies on there uh, during their run. You know, there's so, also Cruel Jaws, which used clips from Jaws and is like an yeah. illegal movie to screen right. or sell. I've always wanted to see that. I've always wanted to see that. It's apparently there's going to be another attempt to put it on Blu-ray coming soon. So that sounds like the but, Italian God, but, uh, Godzilla movie that they made that uses clips from Godzilla. It, 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 it is. It is illegal. Yeah. It's. I think Umberto Lenzi, the one of the kings of ripping uh-huh. off shit. Yeah, he put that out. But I, I, like, remember, the, oh. I was just going to be like the Asylum has made a whole like d- giant studio out of Sharknado. Uh, shark, shark the Sharknado series. Right, but they're back shark- to being B. B to Z level material. This is like best picture of the year. Material. I understand that, but what I'm saying is that the concept of shark being the enemy is wildly. I'm not talking about the, I'm not the, talking about the concept of shark. I'm talking about sure. the level of uh, the density of quality of this movie. Yeah, I don't sure, know but I'm not, I'm not like focused on your look. specific question right now. We're talking about a lot of things. We're talking about a lot of things out there. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is the, you know, you said the B picture getting A treatment, like a couple mm. years later, I mean, you have Star Wars, you get Superman, you start seeing uh, Raiders, start seeing that. Well, yeah, yes. Yeah. The, the Lucas, Lucas Spielberg thing, it, yeah. yeah. Which I can't fault them, they're both great, but it certainly had its effects, and that's why there's no... And that's then why the 80s turns get... into, give me more of that, please. I want, yeah, that's we, all I we... want. Right, and the and the and the grown up movies get a little starchier and more Oscar Beatty, like Gandhi, which you recently watched, Brandon, yeah. and but I think all the President's Men got chased into the woods and died, even though it's still a pretty popular movie. But that oh, kind no, of movie stopped happening, you know. Yeah, well, things started being a little more optimistic. It came out of the grant, like you, yeah. you started with like Rocky. Rocky is a the, you know the optimistic movie that beat all the dark movies. For best right. picture, and the next year you get Star Wars, another optimistic movie, and Superman. Oh. Things start brightening up. Look, just look, look at, look, sorry, real quick. Just look at Hamilton's okay. performance as he's listening to Dreyfus and Scheider talk about like what's going on and everything he's because he's 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 a talker, right? This guy he's in this movie a lot, talking up a game and trying to like say everything's fine, everything. The way he's just watching all of that in the background and just like having the wheels turn in his head, where he's like. They want to keep the beaches closed. They want, like, they want to ruin my holiday. Like, just watch watching the wheels turn in his mind is is very entertaining as much as it is to watch him kind of wheel and deal his way out of the situations. Well, I love how Cider like sides with him almost. He's like, oh yeah, oh, it's over. Yeah, okay. But he like, wants to. He he still he wants want to. Hold, to he wants to hold on water. to this idea that he that everything's going to be fine. Like it's so he's trying try, try to be so passive about all of this. Well, because if he has to keep going, he has to get in the water. Like that's so he'll he'll buy into stuff he knows is bullshit, but. Well, this is what he needs right here—a good kick in the yeah. ass to be like, you know what? <laughs> I think I need to reconsider some of the things that are going on in the town right now. Talking, and, and, talking and being about, topical, mm-hmm. uh, I was just say Richard Dreyfus is just like all of us when we hear of uh, small towns not wanting to, you know, wear masks on their face. Currently, dating the podcast. Oh, Dreyfus is Doctor Fauci. I mean, yeah. It's obvious. <laughs> right there. Yeah. He's he's more aggressive than Fauci is, but he's still he's clearly Dr. Fauci. 
Is I was uh, thinking about this uh, with like Roy Scheider. Is he just like a just a completely unique presence? Has there ever been like a Roy Scheider like actor? And what was he like any actor before him? Like he just Roy seems like Scheider. He's like, very he just, very very steady. He's very that's him. an urban like, nervous guy. Yeah, he's yeah. not a he's not a he's not a, he's not a he's not from yeah. Like I, I can't know, like it's just, it's just like. Pr- I'm sorry, go ahead. Like another person I was thinking about too recently, like Sterling Hayden. Like those are just oh, guys like Sterling you only Hayden, got yeah. them when they were around. That was like it. Like there's nobody that is them or before them. They just kind of seem like they stepped in, did their thing. Oh, right. and then you just saw Strange Love. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah I just watching Strange Love. Love. I've always been a Sterling uh, Hayden fan, but I was just oh, thinking about that. Like, Sterling Hayden's so great. He's, oh, it's such a, that's perfect casting in that movie as far as we have so much wacky going on in the rest of this. Like, what do oh, we, God. who plays this guy? <laughs> Let's get Sterling Hayden in here. That makes sense. Yeah. But this, I like Roy Scheider. Like, who, like, I can't think of. I mean, like, Jeff Goldblum would be Roy Scheider times three or four, I think, maybe. Well, that's, that's going terms of the that, deep end, and, and, I think. Yeah, Goldblum, is more, Goldblum is more of a personality unto himself. Like, when you see Goldblum right. in a movie, you think immediately that's Goldblum. I mean, Scheider, give, I mean, to give him his due, he actually does play some decent characters. He kind of plays some everyman characters mm-hmm. and, and it inhabits those characters as Roy Scheider, as opposed to being more of a character like Jeff Goldblum is to the actual Jeff Goldblum. My mind, you know, for and a he had of, a lot of range, Scheider. And you imagine this guy yeah. playing uh, basically Bob Fosse convincingly and all that jazz. He plays the Dustin Hoffman's cool secret agent brother in Marathon Man, you know? Like That was, at, for, when I saw Marathon Man for the first time, I knew beyond like the iconic scene i was like i didn't know who else was in it i was like oh roy scheider's here that's awesome yeah. <laughs> it was just like oh this is what happens all right yeah when he showed like he and he campaigned hard to be in the exorcist too he wanted mm-hmm. that role and just dead <laughs> the jason yeah, miller part. Whole, like, yeah yeah this whole scene is wonderful by the way i don't need i mean every scene is wonderful oh, but just beautiful. watching this whole like the kid mimicking brody and just the the, the line here give us a kiss why because we needs it like it's such a I know we talk about stuff, the stuff in this movie. This uh-huh. is one of the things. Also, coming up, the way Dreyfus uh, eats this meal. Yeah. Oh, William, that? Sorry, <laughs> William's, William's score also is just wonderful oh, as great. well as why, oh, part yeah. of why that's so worth it. Uh, yeah. scene. Also seems to be a new kind of scoring that they was debuting at the same time. This sort of theme-heavy... I don't know. It's, it's just lightning in the bottle in so many ways. This this little era for those. I mean, this launches John Williams into doing everything oh, yeah. for yeah. these guys. Yeah. Like, it's like he was already doing some stuff, and now he's like, okay, here's something iconic right away. Mm-hmm. You know what this is. Even before the I movie mean, comes out, you're like, oh, that's the he just, theme. He does like Close Encounters and Star Wars in the same year. That's it's like, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the year. Who else could have possibly have done those? Fair. No one else could have done. I mean, when you think not about it, who else could have done Star, Star Wars? Is probably the there's probably some like there's probably some big year. There's probably some big year where like Max Steiner or Bernard Herman like knock something out twice in a year or something. But yeah, yeah the, I think you need <laughs> to have studied those guys. Like he next year, did. Superman. You know, I've done, but, but I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm saying and yes. Bernard William, Williams has obviously made like on episodes. I'm just I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying Williams, yes, he has he's knocked out these amazing scores that people know to this day very clearly. But it's somehow like it's somehow also supercharged the movies in the same way Spielberg and Lucas did. There's something about the way you just can't resist Indiana Jones with that theme song. There's just no way to resist that. And I can't think of movies in the preceding years that had that, you know, where the where the where the Elfman could, had that run for a little bit with Burns. Goldsmith's got it. Sure. Yeah, too. Goldsmith too. I, I mean, you're the greatest. I, I mean, That's well, I mean, musically, right? musically, he's he's influenced by the same generation of the, uh, that these filmmakers were. You know, right. the, uh, yeah. you know those, those soundtrack 
you know, uh, you know Morricone and, and and like you said Herman and stuff. That was his influence going into this. And I agree with you, uh, Yancy, that like John Williams, the, that kind of music that he brings is a kind of bombast, that kind of real theatrical score, really like it set the tone for that whole blockbuster thing happening. I mean, almost all of those movies were scored by him. And uh, oddly enough, this is one of the, that was one of the few Oscars this movie uh, won was for the yeah. score. Yeah. Right. How could you not? How could you not? You know, yeah. I mean, every, everybody was humming it, you know, like it, and oh, yeah, was around then, but even decades later, there were memes. Yeah. When you know how to, they know how to market it after the success, like after the movie came out, I mean, there were, you know, this is before Star Wars. There weren't action figures. You know, there weren't like immediately posters and books and toys and everything like there are for movies now. And I remember like for the few things they did, they had like a Jaws a game. It's a giant plastic shark with a bunch of junk in his mouth. I remember you that. You have to fish, fish the junk out of his mouth before it snapped. I mean, like going back to what Aaron was trying to say earlier, I was trying to jump in on that. You know, when, when Batman came out in 89, there was mm-hmm. Batman cereal, T-shirts. The posters were on every bus stop. You know, it just... Converse it, shoes. I had a... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it was this huge marketing blitz. Whereas Jaws was the opposite. It was a small, originally B movie that became this huge phenomenon on its own merit, you know, rather That's than true. having to have this huge marketing blitz. And it the marketing it had it had the it had the benefit yeah. of having this having this giant novel under its belt. Like it it was it was yeah. no it was a known entity. And you you had just like the the buzz building around it as far as what this could be, and then yes, it took off and it took off big. Like and things right. were come things at that point were coming back because like you mentioned, Brandon, like Godfather was a huge that Godfather kind of saved phenomenon. Hollywood. It was a phenomenon. Yeah. It kind of saved Hollywood. It's crazy how people don't realize how successful that movie is beyond just being, you know, one of the greatest yeah. things ever. It was also a giant box office hit. And then like The Sting comes along in like '73, and that was another ginormous but like if you right. do the inflation on the well, sting it's insane this, and then this, um, this oh, i'm this sorry this yeah i was gonna say this movie got overshadowed the oscars by uh um one flew over the cuckoo's nest which came out that year and uh dog day afternoon in nashville so i mean it was a huge year i, mean, I was gonna say like, if yeah. you're gonna lose that's a good company well, to lose to i mean the, se- the after, 70s after in general like, like 72 every everything's good in the best yeah, picture the, the lineups are yeah. ridiculous throughout the 70s yeah no doubt so you wonder right. why Jaws didn't win more Oscars than it did. That's why, you know, it's, yeah. it's in every company. Perfect cut right there. I can do anything on the chief of police. Mm-hmm. Cut to them in the place where they're supposed to, not supposed to be. <laughs> Just cut yeah. with the shark. A lot of those perfect cuts, like later with the shark cage. Yeah. When it cuts and he's already been convinced. And it's just, the key, we'll point it out. But mm-hmm. It's just perfect. You know? Yeah, the editing in this is fabulous, too. I mean, really Fields. Who, did she win? Yes, she yeah, did. She it was won, um, yeah, won, right? it was editing, uh, mu- uh, music, and uh, hold on a second, I just had it here and I got, I lost it. The three Oscars that won were for the score, for editing, sound, and for uh, sound. Yeah, sound was the other one. It was Thank nominated you. for best picture, but did not yeah. win. And not and, and not best director because Steven Spielberg has a video of him watching the nominations and hearing him not get nominated and going ah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, with uh, isn't the guy from Mania Joe Spinell in the in that? Yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah. It's so weird to me. We oh, Joe Spinell! Oh, I love Spinell. They're just hanging the guy's out in there, like as one of the goon, goons he's hanging out with in, in his office. I'm like Spinell and Spielberg. Wow. But Joe Spinell was in so many great movies in the '70s. He's probably more more than anybody else. He's such a great character actor. All oh yeah. man, he's. I like how casual this scene is where they're discussing like their next plans here. We're just sitting yeah, on the floor in shark, shark guts. guts. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we got to no. figure this out, guys. 
<laughs> and I mean, Scheider's somewhat buzzed from like the preview. I mean, he was getting drunk yeah, in the he's still, season, right. so he's, well, that's why they're there, probably. Yeah. Oh, we were, we were. I forgot this. We were mentioning. You were mentioning who, like, who's a shider of now or whatnot, or who's yeah. like him. My mind kept going to Casey Affleck. This kind of like salt of the earth kind of thing, where he can kind of play an everyman, kind of low key, can get into. Yeah, comic. He's not. He's not as. It's not. He's not quite a, like an A list leading. Comic man. timing isn't quite there as it is with Shider's comic timing is unnatural. It's perfect, you know. I don't know. Even though you wouldn't think it was a comic I, I, actor. I, I was watching some of those Ocean's movies and bits and pieces on AMC the other day. I'm like Casey Affleck's knocking out some lines when he needs to. Oh, I like him a lot, but I mean, this, you know, it's hard oh, to. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, all of these playing. guys are one of a kind talents. I'm no denying that. But if you want to tell me, like, yeah. if you're going to tell me, like, what Tom Hanks is the Jimmy Stewart and Clooney's the Cary Grant or what, and Pitt's the Robert, whatever, I can see Casey Affleck lining up with Roy Scheider more than anyone else I can think of offhand. Yeah, I guess if you were making it today and you were trying to get the closest, you could. You can get shot, yeah. Casey Affleck is, yeah, I guess. is Brody. But then that begs the question, who are the other two parts then? If Casey Affleck is, is Roy Scheider, who plays um, Dreyfus and who plays Robert Shaw? Could, could Ben Mendelsohn be Robert Shaw? No. He's too slimy? Seth, Ro- no. Seth Rogen yeah. as uh, Dan, Hooper? Uh, no, no, no way. <laughs> That would be painful. <laughs> I see what you're saying, Brittany. I, I, there's, a, there's a version of this where Rogan would be cast as Richard Dreyfus. This is where they're trying to get him in a serious role, like a more like to bring some of his comedic stuff. Hey, but... he's done a few. I mean, Steve Jobs, he's doing great. Yeah. Yeah, but Take this that, that would be if this would... I'm talking... <clears throat> he wouldn't Rogan, have been... How about Seth Rogen as the shark? There you go, yeah. <laughs> Who would be the mayor? The mayor, there's a deep pool of people that could be the mayor right now. Let's see. It won't be Andy oh, yeah, Garcia because you never compare him to the Jaws mayor. Oh, that'd be hilarious if it was. <laughs> <laughs> never. <I'm> so... <laughs> <laughs> the mayor. Dom Hall Gleason. <laughs> he could also be Roy Scheider, probably. There's... Yeah. He's t- he's too he's like too neurotic, nervous though. I mean... See, I don't know. After I saw him in that National Lampoon movie, I was really impressed with his range. So. Oh, the one I mean, about the one about National Lampoon. Yeah, the one with uh, Will Forte. Yeah. yeah. I, was, no, I, I like I, I like Domo Gleason. You know, yeah. it, would be a, it would be an interesting mayor for Jaws of this era. It would be John Houston. John, oh, John, if they re, if they had him instead of him, if they, yeah, yeah it's a, he'd he'd make it work. It'd be a lot more intense and creepy, but it'd be the same. Chinatown a year after this, right? 76? What? Chinatown's a year after, right? Uh-huh. Or is it the same year? No, one, it's this one with the coverage in this. So. When's Chinatown? Is it 76? Chinatown uh, before 70, that, 74. It's 74. Okay, that's yeah. nice. I was like, this sounds wrong in my mind. It's like, that's why. It's cause it's Which we were talking about God, Godfather's being a phenomenon of the box office. It's crazy how much of a step down box office goes for Godfather 2, which is a highly acclaimed, very popular film. But if you look at the box office, it's like, oh. Like near as much, like at all. It's like a big, from what I remember, a steep drop. Then I'm maybe I'm crazy, but oh no, you're definitely crazy. Oh, always. There's another Yancey. Yeah, obviously, like the scale is lower because it's just two guys in the dark now compared to a, high, a giant beach. But this is another like we're gradually escalating the tension where mm-hmm. these guys are just drunk enough to be like, yeah, we'll just go to the water and try to find this boat. <laughs> There's a shark out there, but who cares, right? It's nighttime, and we got lights. I guess that's enough. There's monitors. We'll figure it out. We'll go under the water. And I'm thinking here, 
guys, there's a shark out there. Like, the movie's Dude. called Jaws. Like, you, could, you can't just go to the water in the dark. Like, that doesn't make any he, sense. He literally just said, nothing's going to happen to me. It's another steady build of tension. And the release is different here. And Spielberg knows how he'd do it, right? This is where he had to... He had all of this shot, and he's like, I know how to make this even scarier. So he did this shot again when we get to the underside of the boat just to, like, really emphasize the head popping out and get that jump scare. And it works. It's a great scare. <laughs> See this movie a ton. Like, it's still, like, in the right setting. It gets me. Helps because of the quiet, right? And it's an earned jump scare also. Right? Mm -hmm. And you're, your focus is gone, right? You got this big shark tooth, and you're looking at this thing. There is a good one in uh, Jaws 3 when the guy with the eyeball coming out of his eye Yeah, that's like one of the good scenes. It's like, oh, there, there you go. This movie was worth the rental. There's that scene, and there it is. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you're right. <laughs> I draw my light. There's something matter-of-fact about it that just, like, works, I think. I mean, obviously the sting music, like, knocks you down, but that it's like, it just pops out and it's like, oh. <laughs> Those stalks coming out of the eye to make it. Yeah. It looks <laughs> creepy. Awful. Yeah. yeah. You also, how much does it, how much does it help that you genuinely, genuinely are happy to be spending time with these two guys at this point in the movie? Oh, yeah, you like, like the characters. That one of the mm -hmm. biggest changes from the novel is that you like these people. Peter right. Bensley's novel, they're not likable guys. <laughs> like they're kind of dicks to each other. What well, like, but what doesn't um what um. Drive. Hooper sleeps with Hooper uh, sleeps with, uh, yeah. with Brody's wife, with right? Brody, yeah. There's a mob thing going on, like which I like... can't even. How is there? I've never read the novel. How is there room for a story about Hooper sleeping with Brody's <laughs> wife in this story? There's no time for that. <laughs> He's got to get back to that, that. That that his boat is leaving in a few days, isn't it? The... Like that's why this is a best-selling novel because it's basically an airplane novel. Like it's not like it's not a particularly great novel. It's just sold really well. Similar to The Godfather, they say. Yeah. Novels I never read. Yeah. But the movie elevated it. You know, people like to always say the book is better than the movie just by by rote. But I would imagine in lot, these two cases, the movie is better than the book. And also, people don't understand adaptation as well. Like you can't, it's like not the same uh, thing. It's it, you can't do base, everything yeah. in the book in a movie. Like time, you, have to, you can't you can't try to yeah. understand it as that attempt to do that. Either, yeah, or you're not going to like it. You have to understand it as an adaptation. That's here's, a lot. That's a lot. Stand. Here's the mayor listening to scientists and saying, "You don't have proof, therefore I don't yeah, believe right. you." Yeah, right. <laughs> yep. Huh. Timeless. Better, Almost like any movie ever, is there a better character jacket than that guy's jacket? No, that's why I'm he brought saying, it back. That's <laughs> why so he's still wearing it. That's the best character jacket mm -hmm. in any movie. I've looked up uh, that uh, to buy that jacket just to have it. I don't know why I would ever wear it, but. I would love to have that jacket. I would guess it's from the Johnny Carson collection. <laughs> it's just so great. Anchors. Anchors. <laughs> Murray Hamilton. He's in 1941 as well. Murray Hamilton, isn't he? Right. On the, on the Ferris wheel with Eddie Deason. Oh, that's well, I love how we get this paid off because we get we you know we saw this billboard in the opening and now. Yeah. Yep. Is it the actual one, or is it a replica of that that's at the Universal Studios? I think it's a replica of it. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, lots of years and traveling with these things and everything yeah. not working, I can't imagine it. Anyway, uh, the, he's he's denied the scientists, and he's also pivoted to some other problem that's going on right now in the same place that needs Vandalism. more attention. <laughs> Vandalism. That's, that's the real problem. These public things <laughs> have been defaced. It's hmm. not the... It's not the <laughs> the nature effect that's taking hold of the community. It's this other thing that's a problem. You got to take care of these vandals who are messing with this public property. That's what you need to do. 
Forget about the shark. Forget about the deadly situation that may kill everyone. That sign is my like, heritage. It's like an open protest of sorts. It's not hurting anyone, but it's a problem. Hey, if I want to swim in shark-infested waters, that is my right as an American. <laughs> Business will be open for the July. The sun will be out. It'll be warm. I love this car, too, man. It's like the SS car. <laughs> it's huge. I think this also is a new sort of a thing, and this probably reflects it being a new Hollywood thing, but the very idea that the, the one of the tensions in the story is that the the all-American businessman there, who's the mayor, is trying to keep the beach open, despite no. the fact that you know people are going to die. I don't think you would have found something like that in a movie about America from 20 years before, you know? Or he would have been more openly crooked as, as opposed to just neglectful as this guy is, you know? It's interesting. He's not like wringing his hands evil. He's just right. petty, he's just, he's just, petty greedy yeah. evil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you would, I think that's a, that's definitely a product of the age, which is great. I mean, you know, it's almost like if they wrote it now, it'd be like you know, it's the grand opening of our grand something. You know, everything would have been on a much bigger scale, writ much larger. Well, that's, the, that's the sequel, right? That's Jaws now, 3, but at right? the time, yeah, yeah. I don't think it had that's, ever been done before. Yeah. Well, there'd also have to be some secret backstory of the mayor as to why he pushes so hard for it, not just out of greed and right. being an a-hole. He'd have he to actually monsters. Be previous, monsters. I'm yeah, the yeah. monster that he yep. said to the... Yeah, yeah. I'm the one who put the money behind the secret shark no, there technology. Were monsters. Aren't there monsters in the novel, <laughs> too? That's what I was making a joke with. Yeah. What, what, what are the mobsters in the novel? Again, how is there room for mobsters in this? I don't know. I can't recall right now what the mobsters are doing. <laughs> it's just like, well, there's mobsters. Like judicious, judicious trims. That sounds like a Godfather uh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have mobsters in yeah, there. Yeah, the mobsters are there. Now, let, listen, let's get to so, so, Brandon, you were saying the, that the Godfather saved Hollywood, and this is always considered to be a big... And I always hear the Exorcist as being the one where the, for the, the first time... It was huge. It was, it was huge. It was huge. Like, Exorcist is like one of the... Like, what with inflation, it's in top yeah. five, right? Or top yeah. three. like that it's, thing it's, sold it's very high, yes. But that was like the lines around the block kind of a thing. Yeah, well, I mean, so was the Godfather in this. It yeah. just, I think it, that might have been the first one like that. Well, the, I mean, the since like the, since like the Martin and Lewis days and stuff, I guess. But the, the yeah. difference is this one, it opened in the summer and it opened wide and like yeah. it, and it just took off and kept rocketing and just again, it has that mass appeal factor. Yes, the, the Godfather and just. They're seen by lots of people. They're R-rated horror movies, also. Or R-rated. Well, they're R-rated movies. A lot of the, um, a lot of the, a lot of the movies. Yeah, but that was back. That was he was going to see movies back. That was was grown ups. This is the, this is where it shifts. Yeah, so you know. everyone could see it. I mean, you would Spielberg well, invents the summer event movie. He invents well, was, the idea that everyone can go out during the summer when they're off from work and school. Well, and Universal invented it. Well, yeah. I mean, but, but no. What are you talking about? Like, when did like Earthquake and the Poseidon Adventure? Those are. Not R-rated movies. I guess they're not crit summer they're, movies. No, after, I mean, but, Jim. I'm sorry. After, I'm sorry. I was gonna say after the disaster movie thing kind of fizzled out, most of the big movies in the early part of the '70s are like you say, New Hollywood. They dealt with social issues. They're very serious movies. I mean, like I said, the Cuckoo's Nest from this year, Dog Day Afternoon from this year, Nashville from this year. You know, this is a movie about a, a giant shark eating people. You know, it was an alternative to what was out in the movie theaters at that point. 
But it's yeah, no it, less like it's you no like you, it's, not, it's not a less no no I'm not I'm not saying it's a lesser movie I'm just saying at that time it was perceived as such you know what I mean it was not perceived as a five star critically acclaimed art you know uh, uh, movie that was going to you know be an Oscar movie this was a summer movie and it was one that like Aaron was saying it was the first of its kind of that nature I mean it wasn't a serious drama like all the President's Men or any of the other or you know the Exorcist or anything like that it was a light I mean it's a suspense movie true. But it's like it's 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 not dealing with social issues and things like that, other than the most, you know, um, um, superficial way, like we saw with the mayor, right? The key well, thing I'm also the key thing I'm also really saying is the key thing I'm also saying is that it's the first summer blockbuster. Movies yeah. used to yeah. open the huge movies used to open in November and Christmas. Right. That's right. when movies used to open big because they were mm. going for adults who weren't in school. Exactly. Now this <laughs> is a movie that's different, where it's like we're putting so out. We never talk summer. about that. That's the thing. Right. Yeah. Summertime, you went outside. You didn't go to the movies. You hung out and. And this one perfectly doing? encapsulates. Uh, yeah, I'm just it, saying it, that the general it, idea. I know, and, I know, I'm kidding. And this one actually encapsulates, takes advantage of. Hey, look, this is what okay. people do. Whether they're by a beach or they have a lake or you know they've got some sort of people go to the flock to the water, warm yeah. weather. Even as a horror movie, and as a you know, if you want to call it a slasher movie to some degree, you can make that argument. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's unique in that it presents everything in the daytime. Uh, yeah. For you know. Oh, is a slasher movie? I said you can if you want to make that argument. There's a way to do it, but I mean there, it is it's, yes, it's a monster movie. But I did, you, I, I can see the argument there. There's a mysterious thing hiding in the distance that comes out and takes somebody out. One that is one. the biggest stretch has, I've ever heard. There's ever yeah, really. There's it's a backstage well, musical too. It's not a backstage musical. <laughs> you know, there's more things linking it to slashers than musicals, though. You know, there scenes, of, but there aren't any. There's only one scene of someone being sort of stalked. Like that doesn't yeah. even really. Like the two guys you, you got, you have the first scene, you have the kid, you have the little, you have the two movie. guys. You have... <laughs> Those guys don't die in a slash movie; they'd be dead. They wouldn't escape. They wouldn't. I'm not saying it is yet. You're just saying there's there's seeds that you can say that like have actually like, yeah, the, stretch. Excuse can... me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I'm sorry. I, I keep trying to talk and I keep getting pushed out. If you look at the first five minutes of this movie, it is a slasher movie. The two <laughs> kids that go off to skinny dip and do something wrong sexually, the girl gets killed. Okay, that's. Straight out of a slasher movie, okay? So you, you can skew the argument. Minutes, Aaron's yeah. not saying he believes it's a slasher or people no, no, should. I'm He's just saying, saying you could. Well, yeah. no, I'm not talking. I know you. I agree with you, Jim. Um, I think it's more. Just, I think it's more that slasher movies are like Jaws. Is more what it is. Well, this is this would be a proto slasher movie like we talked about before. I mean, it's before Halloween. I mean, it's before. It's it's right after what Black Christmas. It's not. I mean, it's to be much. Black Christmas. It's as much a slasher like Tarantino says. Death proofs a slasher. Like, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. This is not a slasher. Okay, whatever. It's your show. <laughs> I didn't say it was a slasher. I'm no one's making... <laughs> no, you were, you're, he's saying you can skew an argument in that favor if you would like to try to make it. You can pull stuff from this movie that equates to slasher. He's not saying it is. He's not saying people should. He's generally just saying, hey, you could do this. It's a, I look it's a... forward to putting this in the highlights reel of our podcast so we get nominated for awards, arguing about things on the Jaws commentary track. Uh, <laughs> well, we should all agree that wouldn't be fun. <laughs> I, 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 we get those iTunes reviews. Guys, best commentary track ever. Need These dudes <laughs> just bitch about Jaws being a slasher. The, three of them are on board saying it's not. It's not. One thinks they're serious about it. It's great. They just go... <laughs> Look at pandemonium happening. Good shots here. Some good yeah. edits. Nice water. I, I will right ask, there. what was at the time before pre-Jaws, what was the 
family film that people went to see all together that wasn't just skewed at kids and people just went and this see. This isn't a family back. film either. No. Well, I mean, I'm saying all ages. God damn. I'm... It's nice. I wouldn't. I mean, I, this, was also one of the, this was also one of the first PG movies to like kind of cross over to kids, too. That was maybe the wrong term to use, but a, a film the family could go together. It's not super kitty. It's not complete adult. A general audience may go with parental guidance. What was the big. Want, like I, in the 60s in the 60s and stuff like there was the i mean there was the big grand musicals before but those were dead well before this but i mean sound of music bond, was, what, james 60? bond movies yes. maybe james, james bond james yeah. bond yeah because there's yeah a, i mean that's that's right. the, that the idea is to spread to everybody yeah so i don't think but the why those didn't come out those didn't become what this became in terms of i mean they should well, no no but they were, i mean they're, they're still there they're i mean if you're at because this is this is a unique entry as far as it, it you know catapulted things as far as box office goes. In addition to the other films we already mentioned, the Bond films were certainly popular. They mm-hmm. they didn't like they kept escalating upwards. They kind of had a dip a little bit actually in the seventies um, before Spy right. Love Me kicked things back in the gear. Then Moonraker became the biggest one ever. For, I think like, Goldfinger was like the biggest thing that nice ever shot. Thun- Thunderball was the big one for Connery. Yeah. Thunderball Thunderball was huge, and if you adjust that for inflation, it's still like ginormous. So I think yeah. So I think I think there's something. Those that come, those come out. Those those always November December movies, the Bond movies. Uh, yeah, at that point, yeah, they're still like November. You know, you releases. mentioned Batman a while back, and it's funny. It's interesting. The difference. Eh, it's be a controversial statement, but. We talk about the marketing of this. I remember the marketing of Batman so explicitly. I was caught up in it completely. I still nice have shot. the feeling of that movie being forced down my throat a little bit. It doesn't. It's still not a totally chewable movie. This movie is irresistible from the first moment. So at some point, God. it became, we're going to sell it to you whether you like it or not. It doesn't matter. That obviously wasn't here yet. There was that, a lot. It was a lot different era too. I mean, if yeah. they had all the television, I remember taping like the trailer for batman off entertainment tonight like it was me too i, mean, I did that too you know? movies so were different i mean the idea of selling movies was a lot different back then but that movie didn't really i don't feel like i don't know anybody who really thought that movie super super delivered the way this movie delivers oh you know? i did i mean i, I was I, a, i'm I, here today yeah. because of batman so the actual movie or the or the experience of the whole i feel like all of it actual i mean to ask Scott, Scott mendelson it was his favorite movie growing up yeah. Yes. That I was my. Don't... I wasn't alive to see Star Wars in a theater. That was my Star Wars. Was Tim Burton's Batman. That thing was huge. I was eight years old when, or seven years old when they came out and I saw it. I, I was three, but it's you know as I've mentioned in that commentary many times, it's my earliest memory in life is seeing Batman. So. Well, I won't challenge your opinions. I just don't. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I felt that way about the. We talked about this. I felt that way about the first Spider-Man. People love that movie. I thought it was fine. Like I, I enjoyed it, but it, no, like, it, I just, it captured, it no, captured I don't mean that. I mean, what is an eight, what defense does an eight eight year old have against a big experience like Batman or, yeah, or a thirteen year old? I, I mean, I, I, it'd be, are it'd you be really discerning? You, yeah, it'd be tougher for you to be objective about it. I mean, personally for me, I was I'm a little older than you guys, but when Batman came out, I kind of agree with Yancey. I thought it it like failed to deliver in some parts. I mean, goddamn, Batman should be able to turn his head, you know. But, but um, <laughs> I would not admit it to myself that I was disappointed. And I remember coming out of the abyss a few months later and thinking, boy, that was a way better movie than Batman. Like that was actually evolving. In the, at least to me, Batman wasn't. I was, and I'd seen Batman five or six times, and I was telling everybody it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. But there was this something in me was lying about it. Batman Returns, 
I'll say is the greatest thing I've ever seen. But that first one, I still feel like I didn't quite get what I was being sold. And I was just barely old enough to see, to see Star Wars movies when they came out. And even those, I feel like those are obvious knockouts. You can see why anybody would like them. Batman is a weird movie, you know, and like I, I think it lurches a little bit here and there in a way that something likes this, like this. No matter how this was marketed, it was the word of mouth that made this movie what it is. People were genuinely pleased. You know, I, I don't know how much of that. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know how much of that carries over to, to the modern blockbuster approach, which I think started more with Batman, where it's. I don't, know. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I think it's more about the event now itself than the movie sometimes. I mean, look at like Endgame or something, the culmination mm-hmm. of all that. I mean, it's not, it was, I mean, take the movie, you know, quality out of it. The whole event and zeitgeist around that was just immense. Even if you had never seen a Marvel movie, you knew all about it and knew what was happening, right? I mean, Marvel, it, I, well, sorry, Jim. No, no, I was just going to say, it built from the outside in, and this movie came from the inside out. That's all I was going to say. Marvel brought, um, I I feel with their contribution to the blockbuster, in addition to the shared universe, they officially brought the idea of um, must-see primetime TV to the theater, where it's about seeing it as fast as you can because you don't want it ruined or spoiled you got to see it the night it airs because you don't want to go to work the next day and have people talking about it and you can see that by the huge drop-offs after a second weekend or something like that and they 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 mainly hit on the opening weekend and they've kind of brought that to the theatrical experience of what instead of you know people watch stuff streaming than whenever now on tv but it used to be Thursday night was the night. Now the Marvel movies are the king, the top network of the Thursday night primetime. Um, kind of how how the movie going sees it. And it's, um, you know, about what's next week, too, because you got to have the trailer for next week and season finales, stuff like that. And it's kind of Marvel's tapped into that. Um, I, yeah. With the end game. I know. You, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish. No, go for it. <laughs> No, it's, yeah, I just it's, it's we're chasing. Not, we're not going to agree on these things, but like I, as, even with Endgame, which is the biggest movie of all time now, I still feel like that. I feel like the reason this movie Jaws and Star Wars changed everything is people were going to see it over and over like it was a roller coaster. You know, yeah. like you couldn't experience it just by thinking about it again or talking look to at, your friends. Look at tickets sold. That's important. Tickets sold. Yeah. No movie now is ever going to come sniff what these were selling. Tickets right, whereas, sold is a lot different. There's a lot more seats in theaters back then too. Whereas with Endgame, there's so much of the so much of it is also the idea of oh my god, I'm seeing the most popular movie in the world, and it's featuring these characters I've loved as a little kid, and that's an amazing thing to conceptualize. But that's different than something like this, where it's actually the movie that is totally winning you over, and not the buzz or the excitement of seeing it or the, the, to- the toy, it's not, not there's anything inherently wrong with any of that stuff. People like what they like, but I feel like the thing that changed ironically is that this movie changed. It somehow made the marketing, the thing and made the hundred million dollar, you know, borderline, the thing. And the reason, and just like star Wars, the reason those movies were so popular is because they're so good. They're so good. They're just as good as the Godfather, you know, in their own way. And and yet so many of the movies that were ripped off from them were not. And it, and it led to, you know, a certain mechanized feeling, I think. I don't know. That's hard. It's hard to imagine a movie like this. It's hard to imagine an adaptation of a book that was popular coming out and it totally redefines the way people feel about the book and overshadows well, the book. It's hard I'll to imagine. Also- I also say the movies of the past and stuff do 
feel a lot more challenging uh, and are a lot more, a little bit more um, aggressive, willing to take people in places they didn't know they wanted to go with the movies. Yeah. And now they seem to be more based on fan pleasing and hopefully not bringing an internet uproar on Twitter or something afterwards. They, they want it They They want to sure. play safe. They, they, they have the illusion of taking chances with, with some things, but there really are none. They don't, right, they, right. they, they take measured, uh, measured moves. Like everything's calculated. There's a whole lot of, you know, safety net with them whereas back then still a bit wild west with the new era um a lot of there's a lot of crazy i mean we talk about the 80s has a lot of just crazy somewhat cocaine fueled movies that right, just right. go odd there's odd decisions made and i i do miss the noble failure that doesn't seem to happen very often nowadays it's a boring mediocre failure if well, anything they come far between because you spend all the money on it and then it doesn't do anything because audiences both complain about them not getting it but then don't show up to see it when mm-hmm. it happens and so then they go well, back to the is... well and say let's make more sequels and let's do that again because, because that's what that's what crazy. makes money for the corporations the you're much happier yeah you're you much got happier shareholders. If you're a studio you're much happier if you're a studio exec today than you were in 1975 <laughs> much happier you've got it down to oh, a yeah. science there's no, there's no guesswork, and sure, as a studio, as the stu- the studios were glad to see this era end, the guesswork, and when they finally got this formula for how to make money from Lucas and Spielberg, but we as the audience, we just took it so happily. We were, we were, we were also seemingly happy to see this era, and we weren't paying for the movies to fail. We shouldn't have cared, um, but in order to get successes like this, you have to have whatever other movies came out this year that I probably saw and kind of liked too, 30 years later, but which are a big disaster, like. We, we were paying for them anyway, and that, that kind of hit and search and destroy, hit and miss kind of method resulted yeah. in, in these kind of things. Whereas now, like you're saying, it's safer, but people don't seem to be any less yeah. thrilled with the movies. So, yeah, maybe well, the it's thing just is, a, you know, the, the, one of the weird things is, too, like, um, one of the, the, I guess, quote unquote, stranger movies to see people flock to that felt like new and, you know, people didn't know what it was, was Guardians of the Galaxy. But if yes. you take the Marvel label off of it, how much does that movie make? How, exactly. how many people are eager to see it? Because yeah. we've had Jupiter Ascendings. We've had, you know, so many, like, honest, you know, trying to be an original science fiction action fantasy property just tank with zero interest. Yeah. Whereas well, back in the day, we would have been we'd have been drooling for those. I mean, the branding helps. That's what you're arguing. I mean, yeah, I mean, it makes and it makes sense. Well, there's a, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's be, a guarantee yeah. of a certain kind of time of a certain mm-hmm. kind of product, just like with Pixar. You could release yeah. an animated film, but if you put Pixar in front of it, there's an attention right. that gets there. That's why Inside right. Out makes you know a quarter of a billion dollars, as opposed to just like being like, oh, that was pretty successful. But you make it's a really good. Say that, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I was, no, I was gonna say you made a really good point about how you know the studios figured out how to make money from from like Jaws and Star Wars and whatnot. You know, the studio system kind of was uh, had died and, and waned out because of the independent cinema that had come along that people wanted to see movies like Easy Rider and, and you know, things like that. And that's yeah. why we ended up getting all these great movies in New Hollywood is because it's a direct reaction to that system kind of dying off and, you know, be, them being able to realize that, you know, independent movies could be made that people wanted to see, you know. Okay. Yeah, they, didn't, they didn't understand, like, what was going on, but they knew who to hire. They knew who to get, like, Scorsese, exactly. Coppola. Right, they just right. like, let these guys with, make with, movies. Yeah. We haven't figured this out yet. And in the 80s, they sort of they sort of figured it out a they bit. They figured how to make the movie. As, they didn't care about the fact that the movies weren't like, going to be lasting success or lasting artifacts like Star Wars. They didn't care. They just wanted to get in and out and make their money, and that's what yeah. sort of happened. Now, in that situation, like you're saying, 
okay, fine. So the Marvel brand dictates what it has to be. That doesn't mean that the movie has to be anything. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean you can't make your own movie under that, under those guidelines. But like you're saying, Guardians of the Galaxy, it might have, like, I think, look, I never saw Jupiter Ascending either, but, or, or and I never saw the other one, the, the, what's the Luke Passan one that came out recently? Valerian and, and the City of a Thousand Planets. So it's like 10 minutes, look, it looked pretty good, but <laughs> I think if there was ever a time where an audience was open-minded for something like that, it is not now. With Guardians of the Galaxy and the Marvel tag, any thought that it might have been some weird movie, they put they, would, they didn't have to worry about that. They knew they were going to get uh, the, the sort of... Yeah, there's the a Marvel guarantee. Stand, the there's a guarantee on the they see Marvel and they're like, well, I guess this is the one I have to see next. It's I not going to take itself seriously. It's gonna, they're going to rib the sci- They're not going to go too hard into the sci-fi. They're going to rib it all with the sitcom-y dialogue. And, that's, that, that, and there's nothing wrong with that either. But, but it, it, you know, it's like... I, the, okay. the thirst for anything original is... is I don't know. This is an old argument now, but it's a weird. It's weird that this movie represents so much that's great about basic classical movie making, and also represents this crossroads that we all know as the point where adult cinema died, and whatever you want to say. Okay, I want to redirect us back towards Jaws. Or uh, I was going to say, so Jaws. <laughs> there's. Here, I want to. I wanted. I, there's a few things I want to say. First off, I let, we have the setup right here of the compressed air. That's the first yeah. time we get get it. We're going to get more shots of it to remind you that it exists, but that's the first time he references it directly. That actually not even true. Uh, early on, Roy Scheider's looking at the at the book about the shark stuff. You get a you get a quick insert shot of a compressed air canister. So it already sets up the fact that that's a thing. Now I get a description of it right there. I just like it's so wonderful how he sets these how Spielberg sets these things up so you're going to know about them later on. Anyway, before that, before we even got here, and now we're in, we're an adventure movie, right? It's not a horror movie anymore. We've, we've got out of that mm-hmm. genre, we've moved into a different genre. We get that wonderful shot of the orca leaving the docks, going, th- and you, you have the shot literally through the jaws of a, of a shark's jaws, watching the boat leave. So we're watching the shark literally enter into a new arena, into the shark's lair, or in his world now. I'm trying to, like, are there other movies that do this this successfully, where it's one half one thing and one half another thing? From dusk to dawn. I mean, that's my obvious answer because I love it. But I mean, for, like, in, a, in terms of like well, this Psycho kind of, again to bring up Psycho, Psycho again. Yeah, Psycho's, mm, yeah. A, yeah, Psycho's a very key one. Much more than that. That's much more of a radical. This is more of a winnowing down of. Yeah, Psycho's the, more of a guess what? It's not that after all. This is right. more of a this is the natural progression of things. Right, the menace is here, and let's look, now we got to hunt the menace now. We're right. going after the menace. We're, right. we're taking it on. We're head on. We I can't think of too many here. movies that have this structure. I'm sure there are westerns Casey, that are kind of like this, where they start in the town and get to the city. Yeah. I mean, the pacing of this scene is especially great. Um, I, they keep, they keep, well, they keep, yeah, and they keep cutting away to Shatter working on the knot. He's slowly like gearing up for something to happen. We're not quite sure what's going on. He cuts away to some other tension shots. I mean, it's really so well edited and put together. I'm. Every time I watch this, I just notice more it's, and more things to admire about right. it. You're right. It's yeah. so funny. I don't know anything about – I'm so not a, a seaman in any way. I don't know anything about boats. And yet I feel like having seen this, I know like I know what that board is that he puts his feet on. That's to yeah. race yourself against us. It's just so well communicated, you know? Like, yeah, the visual language all, of this movie yeah. is very clearly expressed. You can put this movie on mute as we have now, no subtitles, and pretty much understand where we're going. Right. And you feel like you're on the boat with these guys. There's no cut oh, back yeah. to the shore. Oh, yeah. you know, you're just with these guys. I tell well, the, sound, the sound design's terrific, yeah. too. And sound again, very, terrific. very conscious of uh, eyeline, too, like on those shots on the boat. I mean, everything is very much, like I said, like before it was waterline. Now it's definitely eyeline with these three characters. It's just very, keeps it very um, uh, intimate, you know? 
very uh, very small. You know, you get the smallness of the boat on the giant ocean. It's really really great visual dichotomy. I love it. I really like how, despite the fact that Hooper and um, and Quint, you know, there's a there's an aggressiveness towards each other. Quint knows enough to know that Hooper can steer the, he can do what he yeah, needs to to handle right. the boat. Like he, there's a, yeah, he, there's he, a may wanna, he, he may not want to, he may, yeah, there's a exactly a begrudging respect. There's a, like, he may not want to like outwardly say how much he appreciates what he can do or whatnot, but he knows enough to know that, that Brody's the one that's going to get the water and put it on the reel. Hooper's the guy that can steer and drive the boat if I need him to like that. That's subtle stuff. But that's really interesting character work for me, where this is a guy that he does he does not like this man. He doesn't like that he comes from money, that he's not from the town, that he's an outsider. He didn't yet earn his he strengths. knows that he knows he can help if he But can. he knows how to tie the ropes, and Snyder yeah. does not know how to tie the ropes. That's right, and, we, of course, is, and of course I, we in the audience are all Roy Scheider. Yeah. None of us exactly. are the other two Yeah, guys. he's the audience guy. I mean, yeah. he brings us in, and, that's, and, and he's the perfect embodiment of that. Perfect, Here, perfect. Here's a question. You might bring it a little bit dark. Do you think, now, outside of the fact that Quint doesn't like Hooper because he comes from money and he's a big city guy. Do you think there's a little anti-Semitism in there too? Interesting. It never occurred to mm. me for a second. I didn't think like, of it either. It's the it's the it's the kind of anti-Semitism that that doesn't have a name. It doesn't have a. It, it's there's not a fine enough point. Yeah. It's, you could maybe argue that in a situation like this, well, how does he know he's Jewish? He, nobody ever there George was Jewish. It's more just, the, just it's in this case it's more just not trusting the urban guy, which is of course money. anti-Semitism. Yeah, with money, that's true, which is anti-Semitism on some level, um, especially from someone we assume is kind of, well, he's not a yokel, but he's, what is Robert Shaw? He's a dyed-in-the-wool sort of something. He's a, For you sure, know. and I don't, I don't necessarily buy into it, I'm just I'm suggesting something, especially because, I mean, I feel like Spielberg has too much reference for this character since he let him oh, yeah. oh, a bunch yeah. of other people design iconic dialogue for him to have, so it's like, I don't think he does Oh, absolutely. Yes. But he well, supposed to be John Wayne, right? Isn't that what, to bring up exactly. a controversial yeah. figure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, the idea I get is that Quint doesn't give it, Quint gives everybody a hard time, I'm sure. Yeah, like, that's the other thing also. Yeah, also like, it's, not, it's not like when he came into town, everyone's like, oh, Quint's here! It's more we like, love oh, that, that guy. guy. <laughs> He's also revealed to be a, a World War II vet of a terrible disaster which i oh that monologue which is spielberg's like bread and butters you know world war ii so i wouldn't think was he gonna would be Joss make too, him a right? hero didn't you tell me that, that brandon what isn't that jaws 2 that the, the speech that he wasn't that going to be jaws 2 the speech about the indianapolis no i i have no, never I said know. that no. <laughs> you told me that i'm oh, sorry i broke i did it again sorry oh We'll get we'll get to that scene because there's a, there's a lot of like stuff behind that as far as how that monologue came together. Oh. Anyway, I like how there's an ambiguity here too. We ever we never actually know if it was the shark or not. Well, you're not even sure you're in a movie where a shark can do anything to them yet. Well, they're safe in a boat, right? What's the shark? In, and we've seen right. the picture of the shark busting through the boat in the book, but it still seems like until the shark starts breaking up the boat, you're not really sure how much danger they're in other than are they going to catch the fish or not you know you know we haven't talked was, about this enough we haven't really seen jaws we haven't seen bruce no we haven't seen the no, we, saw, no. we saw a quick shot like that the overhead, overhead shot, shot yeah. the, overhead the overhead shot, shot where, he, where he bites out. where he gets the guy and then the leg goes down to the water and yep. it's a perfect juxtaposition of music. it's as short as it could be you know yeah short like, as it could be everything else since then has just been like oh, markers, like, identifying <laughs> that there's something that's the ahab shot right there oh, oh. necessity all this stuff oh yeah I was going to say, I just kind of had a moment here that the Hooper character is kind of like the prototype of your what would become like the Jeff Goldblum, Ian Malcolm kind of yeah. character oh, yeah, in, sure. in blockbuster movies. Right. Yeah. 
But he was, like, pivotal in that role to begin with. And, I mean, like, there's roles like it, but, like, in the 90s especially, where, where, like, Emmerich kind of came in and was like, what if we have, like, smart guy and, like, action guy and put them together? James Spader and Stargate. Yeah, Stargate Stargate does that first. Uh Then you have Jurassic Jurassic Park, you have that by having Goldblum in there to begin with. Yeah, um, and then he does that yeah. again with India Independence Day, <laughs> and ever cry, tries to keep that going when you have like what Jean Reno and Matthew Broderick and Godzilla. Yep, like he he tries to keep that going, but I mean that does become like a thing, and Goldblum pops up like three times. Oh yeah, it's one of my favorite shots in the whole movie. Yep. Oh. <laughs> something that amazes something that amazes me about this part of the movie is that it's just these three guys on this one boat. Yet Spielberg keeps finding interesting things to do with the camera. Like right here, as Shatter's just backing away slowly, you know, so Quint is even looking up at him, and, you know, but he frames the shot and says, "You're going to need a bigger boat." I mean, it's just like I must know, have killed set... the house when that line played. Yeah, I would imagine. But like, I mean, just I mean, all he has is these three guys in the boat to shoot for this whole part of the movie, and yet he keeps the camera line and the eye line's interesting. He does interesting things for the camera throughout, and. Um, it's just incredible. I mean, like we, I mean, we keep, you know, my amazing uh, at the craft of this movie. I mean, it's just another. another it's not easy. You're right. I just, I just saw a movie recently that was in cramped quarters that I thought didn't work at all, and it was painfully didn't yeah. work for that reason. And this, I mean, they're obviously not in the open ocean, so it's not, it's not claustrophobic. Right. But you're right. There aren't that many things Spielberg can show us, you know, and he, and he figures out ways to. To keep it, you know, you never. It never flags for a second, really, this movie. Yeah. I like how they're in awe of the shark right here. Like, it's less about catching it at this moment and more about, like, look at the size of this thing. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> this is a mo- this is a real monster. Like, we we have, we have are in King Kong right now, guys. Like, that's what they're right. thinking of. <laughs> and yet he's such a master that he can go back to it just being barrels for half an hour later. And you right. totally, yeah. Yeah. You never see the show. You see the barrels for half an hour. Yeah. Totally the weird. barrels is like one of the best cinematic inventions for like it's how to It's more intriguing than watching the shark, you yeah, know? Because it's such a great indicator. Like, you know what this is, and you and we've been explained what the barrels mean. So the fact that there's three of them, like, it's, yeah. it's like this is a beast. And you don't even need to see it to understand how much of a threat it is. Brandon, do you know who else was? Who was? Do you know who they were gonna? Who Spielberg wanted to cast initially in this picture in the three roles? Do you have any? Um, no, I, uh, I think I've heard before of other things, but uh, Duvall for Brody, um, yeah, Charlton okay. Heston, mm-hmm. but they did, but that was too big for Spielberg. He's like, no. Um, <laughs> Lee Marvin and Sterling Hayden both passed on Quint. Ooh, Sterling oh, Hayden <laughs> and Lee Marvin both have been great. Uh, John Voight for Hooper, Jeff Bridges for Hooper, Joel Gray for Hooper. Sure, sure, that makes sense. Uh, Jeff Bridges played pretty much played pretty much the same role in uh, King Kong, right? Kinda, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, he's, he's the scientist, smart one kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. He's the, the the eccentric man. Didn't uh didn't uh on the this movie uh Dreyfus talked his way into Close Encounters because Spielberg was looking wanted Jack Nicholson for that. Yes. And he talked him out of it. Mm-hmm. But he wanted Steve like, McQueen he, for that. He wanted so Spielberg thought he needed someone big, and Dreyfus was like, no, you need an ever you need me, you need someone like me. You know, yeah. I can be a Family Guy, but I can also be kind of crazy. Like, <laughs> I'm crazy. I thought that was a story about Roy Scheider convincing him to cast him in this. No. Yeah, I think he I think Roy Scheider oh. cornered. It's, I'm sure Close Encounters, I know Close Encounters, he he, he was going to cast Steve McQueen, who claimed he couldn't cry, which is why he couldn't take the part. But I know there's a story in this where Scheider corners Spielberg at a party and pitches himself in the, for the role of Brody, oh. and it was right after some bigger actor had passed, I think, 
But I can't remember who it was, and it was an oddball choice. It was, it was the Heston Willis. thing. It was the it was like Heston. They're, God, they're, kind of, a... they're trying to figure out this, and it's Spielberg. Spielberg didn't want you know, like I said, Spielberg did. He wants someone that could be every man but still have authority. I, I mean, the if... best the best reaction, the, the best like realization of that, I think, is right after he sees he sees the shark and you know says you need a bigger boat. Just the reaction he has where he yeah. stands up immediately, where it's like this is a man who's the chief of police. He seems competent enough, but he's terrified by this shark right now. Like you can totally imagine the Charlton Heston, the Charlton Heston version of this movie is the version it we doesn't be work. talking about. It might have been good, I might have liked it, but it's this, the version that would have felt phony. It'd be like he, the Omega Man, he's just badassing right. around and doing whatever right. he needs to. Whereas right. this, I don't know, 10 years, I mean, is there a movie before, I feel like 10 years before this, you would have called the Roy Shatter character like a sissy for being afraid, for being so openly afraid of, of, of the boat. Like, he's not heroic until the end. That's why it works cast- so well. That's why Schneider's the perfect casting because he's like it's he's more modern to, too. He can channel this energy of being this guy that seems somewhat nevish, and he's from the city. He's not from the water, that kind of thing. But then when you know push comes to shove, he you could believe him as a tough guy because well he's Roy Schneider. I mean he Plus already has a, that kind of film. He's been super, in two he's, tough he's guy a Super good. He's a super good audience POV character in this. I mean, yeah. Uh huh. There's the other Absolutely. Ahab shot right here. Yeah. Which could have been put anywhere in the movie that shot. Yeah, I feel like this is the one that's found in the editing. It's like, I yeah, guess for sure. Right? Like that's we need a scene of Quint looking ominously. <laughs> no, seriously, though, before I forget, so this was the, the cinematographer is Bill Butler, but the camera operator is somebody too on this movie. It's the camera operator is like the guy who shot Raging Bull. I'm embarrassed to not know. Michael Chapman, I think. I think Michael Chapman is the camera operator on this, and Bill Butler's the cinematographer. That's a major because Michael Chapman shot Raging Bull and a lot of other big movies. So this movie really got the like look at look at that shot. Oh, that's so good. That's great. Oh. Gorgeous. I mean, all of these shots are wonderful. Yeah, it's it's just a, it's. Well, you can. I mean, you know what's so funny about like this era? Like you can pick any random movie and probably get lovely shots out of it. You don't get that much now. You get like we're we're finishing. Yeah. We're just shooting stuff. It was a really the era was yeah that naturalistic that beautiful look was really a. Well, they stay, it was important. Can, it was important can, then. It was very. It was. I mean, not that. Not to say like they don't care now, but it was. Terry Malick. Terry Malick is the only one who's, carry, who's carrying that that torch. Um, but look, you can stop this movie down for 15 minutes now because you like these guys enough that to, for this scene, you know, you you don't want the scene to end. It's in the middle of a thriller, you know. Like today, it wouldn't. I, I mean, any day it wouldn't work if you didn't like these guys. And if it wasn't, you know, if you didn't care as much about these guys as you did about the shark, you know, especially this macho, the sort of brains versus brawn here with Dreyfus and Shaw, which is very interesting, like you say. I don't know whether you would have had the the scientist being a, a, a sort of such an urban sort of wisecracking character before this either. I mean, this was kind of an invention here, too. Would have Made been sort of human a, rather yeah. than a stereotype. Yeah, like when he did, when he, like when he imitates W.C. Fields, you know, we're not going to stand for this much longer or whatever or this. There's little, there's little ends for these different gradations of, of there's a of there's a wild card character. energy there where it's slightly yes. different but yeah, a lot of movies just combine both characters where you make the scientist also the guy that's like the lead or whatnot well like the you, Marvel movies everybody is the Roy Scheider character I'm talking about everybody can, I'm talking about before this movie before this it would have been like a, it would have been like a, a, a stuff like a like a skinny you know Welsh you know clean shaven character actor would have been can, a scientist it can be it, it's a mix of either like it's a very supporting role he's not even in like yeah. most of the movie or, or an old old or, guy really old guy maybe you know like or he played Dracula. or he's, or it's just one part. But here you got a, a, a Robert Shaw's character was an outsized character, like from a John Ford movie. And then you have these other two guys who are neurotic, urban, you know, kind of like the audience. They're kind of like neurotic, urban warriors, you know. Yeah, that, who are that's why you I love the Roy Scheider looking at his little yeah. 
Look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that's the audience going. I always thought that was like an appendectomy scar, though. Oh yeah, yeah. Mary Ellen Moffat. How can you wear a sweater with nothing underneath it like that, though? I don't. I don't get it. It's humid. It's really uncomfortable. It's the summer. It's humid out there. It's like it's not like an itchy sweater. And I was gonna say, why would you wear a sweater when it's hot and humid out? (laughs) Because they're on the water all day. Sure, that makes sense. Dreyfus. You don't get sunburned that way. They're white guys. Uh, Dreyfus could have almost played Roy Scheider's role in yeah. this. It's possible, sure. Because, I mean, I, you certainly wouldn't think of Dreyfus in the role in Always, and he's actually really good in that, but that, you never would have thought of. See, right right here, this moment where he gives the, the monologue, uh, this is oh, yeah, where Charlton go. Heston doesn't work. This is just, yeah, you know, too, you know how that you scene would have to play. Yeah. yeah, Shark wouldn't eat Charlton Heston's friends. You know? he, he won. <laughs> he, he he pulled three sharks out, beat them up himself with his fists. Anyway, then I didn't hear from you, Brandon. I'm surprised, but somebody said that when they wanted to do Jaws two, Spielberg wanted to do a, a story about the Indianapolis, which would have been pretty great, but would not have been Jaws two the way we wanted it, probably. And I'm, I I like Jaws two. I'm not a hey, yeah, it's not bad. fine. It's, it's, not it's, a, it's a solid movie. Like yep. for being, if you're gonna make a sequel to the biggest yeah. hit of all time that doesn't have Spielberg as a director, and you have just one of the main cast back or two, I guess two. Or yeah, two, yeah. I got three of the main cast. You got the mayor too. I mean, it does its job. It's like, fine. It's, it, you it's, can't it's, hate it's, that if you love Jaws. It's yeah, too yeah. much. It's got too you much. Still of the still got same. you still got Williams doing the score. Like it looks know, it's good. It's still of, got that '70s sort of vibe to it. it doesn't feel confused like. The third one feels like it's trying. It doesn't know where it, it's coming from. Well, you know, it's like, like it's not even in the same place. Like there's, we don't need to talk about that. Movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> anyway, this scene, this monologue. Um, a few writers on this one. Uh, you you had the script. You had you had the idea of like we need to do something here to like enhance Quint. Uh, you get Howard Sackler comes in. He's an uncredited writer. He does something on it. Uh, Spielberg adds a little touches here and there. John Milius shapes a lot of this. John oh, Milius sure. is the one that comes yeah. in and he's like, "All right, I got an idea here." I'm, he writes ten pages. Then then they hand it to Robert Shaw and he writes his own version of this to kind of. Since he was a playwright too, right? Robert exactly. Shaw. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like there's no no one and no one wants to take credit for it. That's the other thing. John Milius like I don't I don't need anything on that one. So it's just kind of like. There's no exact story still about it, but there are like five different writers that were like involved in writing this whole monologue speech out. It's amazing writing. how many of those key scenes of mm-hmm. how many of these like there's a scene in The Godfather too that's it's when somebody else came in and wrote it. It's not it's not. Yeah, like let me hand it off to big famous name here. My so buddy, you never get like yeah. Jason Smith. Uh, he he ended up yeah he he was a yeah. first AD on something, but that's all he did. Like you never it's always like oh he handed it to Brian De Palma. Well, that's the the benefit of this era where you have these guys and Scorsese and Lucas and and Milius, for that matter. Like, they're all like they're all buddies. Like, they all hang out. They're all all friends. They're like, hey, college buddies. I mean, look at the other movies we talked about. We were like, what? Scarface has some scenes that are designed by Spielberg. We talked about Revenge of the Sith. Even has Spielberg involved in that. That's the last time I can think of. Yeah, that's right. That scene is the. Right, Scarface. I'm sure even that, like, I'm not, I, I wouldn't say like they're guiding each other, but even now, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, hey, Marty, you want to come by the set today and see what's going on here? Because I'm sure. sure I'm sure they're still all interested in what each other is doing at any given time. I mean, like yeah. it, the modern equipment, well, like Tarantino and Rodriguez. Oh yeah, testing each other's stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you're on the set and 
Scorsese so the, walks I, on the set, ask him what he wants to do with the setup. If he wants to do it, why would you not? <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, I, um, it does happen. I mean, it's happened on the various Star Wars movies, obviously, because they, they always yeah. talk about how there are other cameos or whatnot. It happens in the Marvel movies, too, as far as, like, Favreau slap by and talk to, you know, talk to some of these people or whatever. There's a... There's collaborations that occur, and there's friendships that happen. But yeah, in these movies specifically, where it's like these classics that have like these grand scenes associated with it, it's like, yeah, we, we had a lot of people working on there that you know. You, you're aware of who this person is. There's great editing here. Another like yeah. greatly edited scene, because you can mm-hmm. easily say, oh, it's just this one shot. It's not one shot. There's a lot of shots, and there's mm-hmm. <laughs> there's con- there's constant movement around to see like everyone. They might have shot it in one or two takes, because Robert Shaw's a pro, and he could probably do it in one or two takes, but still... There's a lot of, like, acknowledgement that Hooper is absolutely, like, engrossed in this story. Yeah. Every every, every shot of him is that look that he's giving right now in his face. It's like, oh, my God, this is a legendary story about sharks. I want to know everything about this. And you cut to Brody. This guy was there, yeah. Yeah, and you, ke- you keep cutting back to Brody, and he's like, this is okay. Like, this is getting more nervous, Brody. This, 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 oh. this. <laughs> anyway, we dropped the bomb. I like how then it turns mm-hmm. to a sing-along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The greatest little moment. Yeah, the sing-along is so great. <laughs> and that, just... scar, that scar comparison scene is fun, too. Where you, especially when it becomes, like, inaudible. When, when Quint is like, and he pulled the arm back. And he, like, oh, that's great. Like, what, like, what are you yeah. even saying at this point? It's like... <laughs> Reprised in Lethal Weapon 3, as I recall, right? And Chasing and, Amy. Chasing Amy. Uh, it, yeah, well, that's more obvious. That's more blatant. Oh, the yeah. last blatant. Oh, there's John, <laughs> More, there's, uh, Kevin Smith has Jaws references in every single one of his movies. <laughs> there's the barrel. Yeah. Doesn't Brian Singer also? Isn't his company also a? It's yeah, Jaws, the, the Bad Hat Harry. Harry Productions yeah. or something. Bad Hat Harry, yeah. That yeah, that barrel shot's great too because it's like there is a shark out here, guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's around. And you stop singing because he can hear you. Yeah. Oh man, I, got, that, I love that. Just I showing got, that board break like that—that that was really nice. Robert Shaw is the first to become aware of what's going on. Hooper's just pounding on the table. <laughs> Your heart just aches when they're singing that song because you feel like you're <laughs> with them. Yeah, man, let's go home. Let's kill the shark and go home. My my head goes off every time we get like shots like this where like stuff happens to the boat. I'm like, oh, he's gonna fix that now. Like, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all those all those things spilled out, or he's got to replace this. Like, that seems difficult. How do you replace a one piece of wood in this entire boat? <laughs> now it's on fire. <laughs> That line reading's wonderful too. Put out the fire. <laughs> he must not have made it to that Redford movie where he's alone on the boat and it's all falling apart. <laughs> oh my god, it was I was a nervous wreck to that movie. It's a good movie. It starts right away. He's got a giant hole in his boat. It's like, oh, yeah. it's suck. I think <laughs> the lesson yeah. is the boats don't make it in those how movies. Did, how did you make it through Dust Boot? <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> bolts flying <laughs> I love this <laughs> shooting at the shark. It's gradual Ahabness. Pure, yeah, pure stupid, you know. Yes. And he knows it. Quinn totally knows it's stupid. Mm-hmm. It, it seems to me that, and maybe I'm just chasing a, a lost thread here, but it seems to me that the adjustment that was made to make this movie so popular and so fresh and modern then, and that makes it so appealing now, is that we do have the Roy Scheider and, to a lesser extent, the Richard Dreyfus characters who are offsetting the mythic. Oh, there's a shooting star. Yeah. Um, we're offsetting the mythic nature of the of the Robert Shaw character. The Robert Shaw character is like an older style movie character, but if you just had him by himself acting like that, 
you'd have audience snickering at this macho guy and his sort of stories. Having Roy Scheider there to sort of humanize it and be the audience proxy somehow is able to put that across more. But I think now what you get in the Marvel movies is everybody is the Roy Scheider character. Everybody's undercutting any of the the sort of larger than lifeness with the comforting, uh, you know, audience proxy stuff. I mean, but the, right. I, or, I hear or, you. Or, with, or when you do have the larger than life character, it's undercut with humor, right? Yeah. It's a, you you got to have someone who's like the audience going, who is this guy? I think he is talking like this. I'm not trying to make excuses for the movie, but they are comic books. Like, I mean, it, yeah. that is how it, that, that's how it would be. They're not. They're movies. <laughs> that's uh, not based on but, comic books. Lucas, but I, I, Lucas I, borrows I, this shot, Empire Strikes Back, Han and Chewie on the Falcon. And the, yeah. yeah. I want to point under, the, that out. under the boards and all that. Yep. We're like, what was that? Well, I don't know. We go, before they go check out the Minox in the cave. <laughs> That's, I mean, what you're speaking, I mean, it's not the same because it's Raimi, but this, what, what I like about the Spider-Man movies, what he does with them is that the di- it it feels like characters pop into a screen and like there's a, you know, a dialogue box and over their head and you can just like see it looking like a page coming to life. Like that's a mm-hmm. lot of the, what, even the, in the framing, there's a lot of, a, there's a mix of screwball comedy, especially in the J. Jonah Jameson scenes and just like comic book yeah, earnestness, I guess the best way to put it as far as just. Right. have everything be very matter of fact characters state their names the second they enter screen or what have you just like it really is it, it puts it right out in front and doesn't really apologize for it yes the marvel movie the, the mcu movies by default are lesser than because there's a nice filmmaker, there's a clear filmmaker style of god a shark pops out <laughs> it never looks fake to me it always looks nope, good same here no i i don't i don't, I don't good I get pissed off at Marty McFly when he's like, the shark looks fake. It's like, what are you yeah, talking no, about, it, If the shark looks fake, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't have worked so well. Still looks fake. He's just, well, the idea is that he's scared shitless, right? And then yeah, he yeah, that's like, hmm. how he shrugs himself off. I bet you they wouldn't even talk about the shark looking fake if it hadn't been for the stories that everyone's told about the shark not working. Yeah. So, yeah. But it is certainly an example of what is that necessity being the mother of invention? How much of this movie, movie's greatness that's is based on right. the shark? Yeah, isn't that great? I like how he holds the little bat when he's yelling at him, too. <laughs> That's just great. Look at his neck. <laughs> his his, his neck, neck is thing. so tense. You're certifiable. <laughs> now, this is Dreyfus's next thing would be to win an Oscar, right? For the Goodbye Girl? Goodbye. Close Encounters was his big year. What did Robert Shaw do from this? I guess Force Ten from Navarone, right? Was Force was Navarone. one of his. He was in the Deep. The Deep, right? That's which, right. of course, yeah. A movie made after this. Doesn't have a shark, man. Has Jacqueline Bissett in that wet T-shirt thing, but it does not have a shark. No, more eel. He did Black Sunday after this too, which is pretty cool. Cool. Movie. Oh yeah, that is a good movie, Black Sunday. And I like Force Ten a lot. I've never seen Force 10. I've always heard negative. I actually want to see it. There's a new uh, keynote disc coming out of that Blu-ray disc. Harrison Ford's yeah. in that, right? Richard Keenan. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those movies I saw as a kid and just really, really liked. And, you know, some, you know it's not the greatest movie of all time, but it's a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Robin I, I've actually not seen, I don't think I've actually seen Guns of Navarone either. Yeah. Or Guns a, of Macaroni, as we called it. Yeah. <laughs> Good too. Robin, Robin and Marion, the other like. I like yeah. that one. Robin oh, Robin and Marion is so yeah. good. Yeah, he was Great. the sheriff in that one. Yeah. That's he, true. He, That's a... You know, he. I mean, this is seventy-five. He dies in seventy-eight from heart attack. Oh, he, he died in seventy-eight. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he died. He, and it's you know he's fifty-one. He's not that old, but he was also you know. 
He lived life. Yeah. He, he was lived a, life pretty He was hard. kind of a drunk during this time, though, too, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. More drunk well, than he, Paul Newman was in the sting that he started. He comes to that whole generation, you know, the, the Peter O'Toole, Richard Burton, right. Richard Harris, live hard, uh, act yeah. hard. John Houston, Sam Peck, and Paul all just... Yeah. They, they, all, they all lived longer. That's yeah, answer. that's true. That's true. His big movie prior to this would have been The Man for All Seasons, A Man for All Seasons, right, Robert Shaw, mostly? Yeah, yeah. Or from Russia, with from Russia with Love, yeah. From Russia with Love, Russia yeah. Well, the, the, I mean, be, the year before this is the, is the taking of Poem 1, 2, 3 and The Sting. I mean, oh, he's also great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Now he's having a real renaissance. What am I saying? Oh, no, yeah. this was, yeah, because like, he, he just won his Oscar and he started, like, getting um, hired for a lot of things. Yeah. Wait, what did he win the Oscar for? No, sorry, I nominated for an Oscar. Like, oh. he, he, he was, you know, he was on lists again. He was getting yeah. in there. So, yeah, he had some... I mean, again, The Sting was huge, too. The Sting yeah. was a giant yeah. movie. Yeah. There, there's, like, those guys you like from that other movie, they're back. And it's going to be huge. <laughs> yeah. Remember how much you like them together? We have them together again. And this time, they're in 30 Chicago, and it's great. That's what a sequel used to be back in the day. Let's yeah, just get really, the gang yeah. back yeah. together it's and make another movie. Yep, exactly. Well, that's, I mean, to... Yeah, there's more. There's a lot of sequels now, but it's, there's some that still do it. Like Farrell does that. Farrell's like, I don't need to make sequels. Just get everybody together again and make another comedy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Who gets sure, literal I mean, minded? It doesn't have to be the same yeah. characters. There were, there were, there were more stars. Oh, there were more stars at that point that could you know guarantee people uh, <clears throat> yeah. coming out to see them in the movies than there are now, though. I right. mean, you know, back then a Newman Redford movie broke huge because it was Newman and Redford, right? Yeah. Whereas I, I, other than The Rock and a few other people, I really can't think of. Maybe Tom Cruise had that kind of uh, cachet. Now, now it's, yeah, now it's more franchises. You know. Well, in terms of like singular movie star, yeah, there's not many of those. Yeah, we have Cruise and DiCaprio and right, some so com- a few comedy stars like, now, like, Kevin, like Kevin Hart's kind of there. And the only Newman and Redford only made solid. two movies together, and they're both yeah, the other, yeah. really <laughs> beloved. So they never let anybody down, and so that sort of you know, <laughs> if they made a third one, it sucked. You know, if they'd been in Tough Guys instead of I don't know, you know. <laughs> There's definitely something to be said for audience satisfaction, and this movie—that's the ultimate answer. Why this movie is so popular? It's just so good. Like, that's why it's so—that's why it was so popular. Audiences are not, you know, at least in 1975. If you if you if you treated them to something special, they appreciated it. You know. Mm-hmm. What if seven if seventy oh. seventy seven or something? Uh, Spielberg's like, all right, guys, let's get you all back together. We're gonna, we're gonna make. Some... What if they did them in nineteen forty one instead? He's like, come on, Dreyfus, Shiner, <laughs> Shaw, let's do this. Let's do this thing. I mean, it's got what's your name? It's the same opening, right? It's the same girl. It's got the, the same actress in the opening. Yeah. I am a big fan of nineteen forty one. I, I know I get chastised for that a lot. I think it's terrific, but I get it. It doesn't feel like Spielberg. It's I mean, very, it's, it's not his worst movie. movie. Oh, I think it's really good. It just doesn't fit into his. It doesn't just fit, it feels like a John Landis movie or something. It doesn't. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't fit into Spielberg's. It, it's oh, yeah. kind of nastier than we like to think of him. Spiel, Spielberg doesn't like talking about John Landis. <laughs> he did then. They were great. He's in nineteen forty-one. Yeah. yeah, they're, they're <laughs> not buddies. Now. <laughs> it's a shame. I mean, it's not a shame. I understand it, but you know. Anyway, the ship's called the Orca because an orca can actually fight a shark. I thought it was a, a homage to the movie Orca of Richard Harris. <laughs> <laughs> this is a ripoff of that. Homage from the future. I love this. It's just eating the line. <laughs> it's like we need to we need to stop this. <laughs> I think any lesser director wouldn't have pulled this off with the shark actually coming up on the boat and eating. No, this is one of the greatest oh. feats of directing in directing history. This movie, like it. Oh, it really is. And only Spielberg probably pulls it off like this. Like they're on just, the water. 
There's a reason he's Steven Spielberg, and it's because of you know this movie. Like they're not in that pool at Universal; they're actually on the water. Yeah, it's insane. Boom! Look at that shot right there. It's a great it's shot. Like, just right at the camera. Like, how do you planning? That's insane. I think of like I'm gonna I'm gonna get the barrel to fly across the screen. Seems like it almost hits you. Have your glasses fly off into the frame. Like it's one of the. It's a great ouchy mm-hmm. moment alongside the moment where the rope pulls Richard Dreyfuss's legs really tight. Yeah, yeah. you can feel <laughs> it. That you, you have that. You have that. You, you can, can feel, feel that pain. Ow, ow, ow! I get it. Fall in his face. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like a. It's because it's like tangible violence that you yeah. can understand. It's not something outrageous like I don't know what it feels like to get eaten by an alien, but I know the machete. It like yeah, you want the machete clearly. Yeah. That's why you're going in there, Robert Shaw. Like it's I just that camera set. You're like, oh, he's gonna grab that machete. Yep, there he goes. It's great. It's so great. You know, I, I'll I'll put this in here while we're here, but uh, Miss Jaws the ride. I'll tell you that. Mm. Wait, Jaws the ride? Jaws the ride at Universal Studios. Mm. Gone. It's not gone, is it? Oh yeah. It's the gone. Thing. Which Universal Studios? Oh, well, the Florida one I know did, but the Florida one, because because uh, the um, Hollywood is just on the tour. Jaws comes by your trail. Yeah. And oh, okay, Hollywood okay. Well, I know there's a, there, right. there's oh. an actual ride at the. Yeah, no, and Hollywood's just part of the studio. It's just, yeah, it's just okay. Part. It's basically part of the murder she wrote moment. Gotcha. <laughs> Universal in in Florida it was a, a full on ride. Yeah, it was. A, yeah, I never so. saw that. Would have been awesome. It yeah, was fun. Two second thing, and it's really you're, hot. You go on a, a ferry tour, and your boat captain shoots flares at Jaws, and it's fun. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I had no idea. I've been to that park once, but I must have been after they. What was that? I like how you know Jaws is a force to be reckoned with, and it's something that's not forgiving, and it's not you know it's Terminator, right? It's a it's a it's a true monster that doesn't try to be sympathetic. It's not King Kong where you, it's like you can't reason. Him. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's terminated. It's like I said, it's terminated. Right? It's uh, it's something that just exists there to cause chaos. And even now, while they're on his turf, he's going after them because, like, okay, let's, let's let's see what you got. I'm gonna taunt you. I'm gonna you have these my barrels attention. Around. Yeah, like I'm gonna keep coming after you. I can swim anywhere I want to, but I'm not going to. I'm gonna keep circling you guys. Oh, there we go. <laughs> it's almost the whole boat. Like stars. Yeah. So those shots look great. Like, yeah. Yeah, it looks so great to me. I don't. He keeps yeah. using the shot of the shark model being just maybe a few feet under the water. Yeah. To like make it not look so much like a model, and that makes it look even creepier. It's 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 a great uh, yeah. happy happenstance there. I mean, this movie probably went into production like, ooh, can't wait to show off the shark. And then it became a, we need to hide the shark. And it's like the best thing ever for it. Just like, like King, same same thing as, same dilemma as King Kong sort of faced, right? Yeah. We're yeah. going to build a robot King Kong and that's going to be the star of the show. <laughs> We're a little late, but when did you first see Jaws? Oh, I have a good story about this, actually. Why don't you go into that as we're I, uh, when I When I was a kid, uh, my dad worked in Alaska. We lived in Valdez, Alaska, in a company town um, and of about, I don't know, 5,000 people. And this, I was maybe eight years old at the time. And they had this movie, this movie played at the uh, little community center that the company had set up, you know, for for the company town and uh it was like march in alaska and it was still like snowing and cold and everything outside but we're all like huddled in this dark uh like rec hall watching jaws and just captivated by it and like 
feeling all the fear and everything, even though we're like in a snowbound, you know, area or whatever. And uh, my my parents didn't want me to watch it, but I snuck down to watch it anyway. And I wish I hadn't because I was really too young to see this movie <laughs> when I saw it. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget it. It's one of the first movies I remember seeing in a movie theater that really made an impact on me. I I don't have a memory of when I first saw Jaws. I just know I've seen it so many times since mm-hmm. being young. And I know I... I know I've seen it young well enough that I have this weird thing with water where it doesn't matter if I'm in a pool, I still worry about Jaws. <laughs> like it's just it's, uh. it's water, and if it's deep and I can't see into it completely, there could be a shark in there. Like that's the kind of that said. I love going to the beach. I love the pool. I love swimming. Like nothing stops me from doing that. But there's this apprehension that I have of like. I mean, there could be a shark in there. Like, that's that's the effect that Jaws had right. on me, yeah. just like many other people as far as being afraid to go in the water to some degree because of some existential threat that there could be a shark going on in the back of your mind. Yeah, my my mother, my aunt, they when they saw this when they were they were teenagers or, uh, yeah, uh, when they came out and they, my grandparents' time, had a lake cottage that they were at every weekend, and it was a lake. There's no sharks in the lake, but they, it, mm-hmm. for, for, you know, summers, on, endless summers on end, they still feared going out a little too deep uh, in the lake for fear of Jaws. But um, personally, I can't, like, I just, this has just been a movie that's been, like, with me, so I don't, like, Star Wars, I can't tell you the first time I saw Star Wars, because it was just at a young age, like, like Jaws, I saw it at some point and just kept watching it but i'll i'll say i think i love it more as an adult than i ever did as a kid it's it's crazy but i think that's kind of gone more with, you know learning about film and you know appreciation studies and stuff like that but um it's just kind of always been for granted there like a you know like a rocky and stuff like that that's just i can't remember my exact memory of first seeing it but it was on tv a lot friends always had it you know it's how it is yeah Nancy, how about you? yeah i had the bad luck of because i was an 80s kid of my only access to this movie would have been on like channel 7 abc at the movies yeah. in a severely pan and scanned cut version so for me my only my first memory of really engaging with this movie and it was when it came out in the mid 90s on laserdisc and widescreen it wasn't you couldn't see this movie letterboxd until like 1995 right. when universal finally put it out on laserdisc and I saw that same thing with Star Wars. You couldn't see Star Wars Letterboxd until around that time either. And a movie, looking at this now, we were talking about it earlier as a big screen movie. This movie hardly even exists artistically if you chop half of it away half the time. If you can't see the shot composition, it's hard. You know, it's it's. So I was at a great disadvantage in terms of. I'm sure I saw this on TV and didn't get it. But when I saw it in the 90s and I was able to see that beautiful widescreen disc they put out, I, you know, I completely blown away. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's when I really sort of I, I you know became a big movie fan and a big jaws fan i don't think i had the facilities to really appreciate how great this was until i was probably 20 right i will say uh, a funny fact like we talk about like the proper way to view these and we we have these 4k discs now in their proper aspect ratios or going to see a revival screening stuff like that but i i read an article along many years ago which put up good points like with being elitist and stuff like that about this stuff. It's like, uh, it was called, I, I saw the greatest films of all time on pan and scan VHS, which is how a lot <laughs> of us, you know, 
and but we're sitting here trying to preach to people like, oh, you need to watch it like this or something. When when we watched probably the now the lowest form of quality or on TV with commercials edited is how we saw a lot of these movies. Great, real, real, and we still love them. And we real, still real quick, real quick. I this this entirely human moment of I got no spit. I just love right there. Right oh yeah, there. it's just that's a mix of I don't know what's going to happen right now. I could die. I could succeed. We could go home. I don't know what's going to happen. That's that's all of that in that line, right? There. Even the <laughs> even it. the shark guy is scared. Yeah. 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 It's just like I go into the shark cage. Well, I don't know, but I don't know. <laughs> sorry, Brandon. No, <laughs> I, I was I really just saying like, like yeah, like it's crazy. You know, that's the power of these movies. As as great uh, as we've been praising how visual it is, we were only able to see a cropped and zoomed portion of it and still get that effect and yeah. still be that entranced and still, you know, sure. with not just Jaws, but many other movies. That's why, I mean, stuff. a lot of this stuff just won't go away, granted if it's in some kind of circulation, that the movie's good. Like, if you can't see it in an ideal setting, it's not going to hurt it too badly. There's yeah. pl- plenty of ways to appreciate film regardless. Yeah. Well, I, yeah I, I see what you're saying. I don't, think it's an, I don't think it's an elitist thing. You wouldn't want to watch a book that had half the pages chopped out. I mean, we were at a disadvantage to be stuck with those, and their movies are good enough that we saw them, but I don't think it's elitist to say that this is a movie that was shot in a rectangular shape. I mean, that's just... I don't think it's, I don't think it's elitist either. I, I can understand that some of these underwater shots are real sharks that they just made look bigger. Mm-hmm. That's, um, a little, that's, I, a, that's, a, that's a little person, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the, the, the Ridge Dreyfus is a little person to make the shark look bigger in this scene. It's a real shark. Um, but as far as yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't consider it like elitist to feel that way. As far as like you need to see it this way, but I do think there's a there's a kind of a I am at a point where I can see it a certain way, and I'd rather people I, I'd I'd rather that existence like be the way that's prevalent for everyone. Yeah, I want, yeah. I want to promote that intensely. Yeah, Maybe I'm not arguing intense. that. No. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, I'm, and like yes, there are some people that are snobby about it. No, no doubt whatsoever. There's the the means that them to destroy the shark is just left, which is I love. Like the me. Yep. That's another good jump too, by the way. The fact that the shark comes right behind them, like it's obvious too, but it still happens, and you're like, oh, that's scary. <laughs> Was it Brent? like uh, I saw something was like uh, maybe you said something or Aaron or I can't remember so if I'm not crediting uh, but like someone was like I want to see like the last like 20 minutes of Jaws Hooper's perspective uh-huh. for the, when he's hiding underwater like what's he thinks going on up there like what <laughs> what's he see from below right uh, a lot yeah. of bubbles yeah <laughs> is that some of the orca <laughs> is that some of Quint. <laughs> I think I found Gennaro. Maybe this was too. I should stab, have had an affair stab, with stab. the chief's wife. Stab, stab, stab. Ooh, a starfish. That's another thing he says. Gets caught up with sink swims after that for a while. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, you mentioned that like you have more appreciate and you yes, you did too. More appreciating as a, as an adult seeing the film and whatnot, and that comes with just yeah recognizing the quality of the filmmaking beyond just the visceral thrills of watching Jaws. I don't disagree. Like I've always been a fan of this movie for probably those reasons as well. But yeah, growing up into it and recognizing just how skillfully made it is certainly is added to it. And you know, we've all seen Jaws a lot. I've seen Jaws a lot. I've seen it a number of mm-hmm. times in like mm-hmm. theater settings, which is awesome. I got to see it with my lovely girlfriend in an outdoor screening one time, 
And even just this a couple months ago for my birthday. I was going to say, tell Anna, us about your Jaws birthday. Uh, Anna, yes. threw, Anna threw me a Jaws-themed birthday party, which was fantastic. I mean, obviously, it's just the two of us because, hey, the world's different. But still, we had a lot of fun. And we, I had a projector, so we watched Jaws on the uh, on the side of my house, or we, we played it there at night. But even before that, she, yeah, she set up the whole like patio, like uh, deck that I have with like Jaws-themed uh, stuff, tablecloths and what have you. She painted me a a Jaws uh, mural on a canvas, which I, I'm, I'm looking at right now because it hangs above my TV. It's awesome. Uh, but uh, it's, Jaws is such a, like, you could, this speaks back to, like, what we're talking about as far as its popularity at the box office or what have you. Like, it's such a, you can, you, you can watch this movie just any time. Like, there's no, like, bad time to watch this. I'm not saying there's other movies that can't replicate that either, but I do, like, for something of this scale that came out at the time it did, capitalized in the way that it did, I, I get it. I get why it attacked theaters and just succeeded so successfully it's also one of those few movies that everyone agrees is a great movie you know what i mean there's some there are a lot of movies there are a lot of, most people consider great but then other people will disagree or whatever but i mean i mean when you when i hear the phrase if someone says the perfect movie invariably they usually use jaws as their example you know it's one of those few movies that's just like uh universally enjoyed ah oh, here we go <laughs> Just, I don't want to get eaten by the this, fake shark. Uh, when I showed my kids this, this upset the hell out of my son. He loved Quentin. He was like, mm-hmm. he was I mad about it. He was. I mean, this is. I mean, it speaks to Nancy what you were saying. We like these guys, yeah. right? We we do not yeah. want bad things to happen to them, especially now that we're basically bonded with them. We mm-hmm. we're, we we are with these guys. We've been with them, and just the fact that it's this giant shark. Quint's greatest fear in life has now devoured him. It's, like, terrifying. That's such an awful thing. And who's left? The guy that's afraid of water is in a right. sinking boat in the middle the of the ocean. the boat is sinking. Like, and, yep. It's insane. And, and it's still out there. I don't know where Hooper is, but he's not above water right now. Right. And now this thing's attacking me from all sides. What the hell am I going to do? <laughs> Just looking at it. Not sure what to do. Oh, wait. He, <laughs> he told me about this earlier. Mm-hmm. Do you think he thinks that like maybe if he bites it, I'll just it'll blow up itself? Like, do you think he do you think he has a plan of shooting it or you think or it's gags like, on it or something? Yeah, like do you think he's just thinking this will take care of itself if I do this thing? <laughs> Talk about amazing shots! Look at this thing right oh, here yeah. with him on the boat and it's he's gonna so lean on absurdly it. Oh, terrifying. He's not afraid of the water. That he's all he's got is the mat, like the the master. At the very end, right, he's just on the pole sticking out of the water. It's it's so perfectly executed, you know. And the two shark guys are both, as far as you know, dead. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's alone with this just, poor guy uh, is alone. They smash the radio. against nature, the ultimate test. Yep. This New York sheriff who's now a New York cop who's, you know, so great. And yeah, you know, if it's a Chekhov's gun thing with the canister of, of compressed air, it's so skillfully done. I never, you wouldn't think that's going to be the thing, you know. They've done just enough work for you to, for it to not feel like a cheat. But they haven't done a lingering shot of it, you know, to make to remind you that might be the way to do it. God, this is cool. <laughs> yeah. just watching this. It still works. Ouch. I mean, we've all seen this like dozens of times, but it's still yeah. so tight it works like a clock. You know? Shark takes a hell of a. He gets shot and stabbed and shot the again. Terminator. Mm-hmm. He's the Terminator. He does take yeah. a hell of a beating. Like... It's a movie monster. Yep. Here we go. Just Look get at this. positioned Look at this. on this. Oh yeah. These silhouette shots and everything. 
and it even makes sense. Like, it's not a cheat that it has not a silhouette like that. Not <laughs> it's not like I need to shoot at a certain time of day to get it. Here we and now go. we know it's the cannon. Now we know what he's trying to do, at least. Yeah, right? now, yeah now he's guys like, well, here's the plan. <laughs> Gotta use my crack shooting. He hit Bullets underwater like Steve Trevor Ryan. Yeah. Dude, the Williams score is just killing it right now. Like, oh my god. Oh, wow, it's subtitled the... Uh, it's <laughs> it's subtitled a, the word he didn't say. You got a bullet shot, like bullet eye view going through the camera. <laughs> Look at that, this is such a great reaction. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's so happy. I blew it to a million pieces. That was awesome! <laughs> and this, the piano right here has, like, the, the bloody corpse of John Slinks underwater. It's so brilliant. And it's the same sound we hear in Duel. You ever see Duel? The... Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah. There's a, when the truck goes off the edge, there's a sound that is repeated. Duel's one of the here. greatest television films of all time. Absolutely. Right. Right. Absolutely. There you go. I agree. Filmmaking, right. Duel is incredible. Duel's in fantastic. That regard. No, Duel's fantastic. just like, all right, got it. <laughs> huh, look at this, this, like, this cool down now. It's like, the well, bubbles. that was a thing. It's back, the shark. Oh, hey, Richard Driver's Hey, I found some really cool rocks down there. What'd I miss? <laughs> <laughs> Is this an audience cheer moment? Do you think they will cheer when Hooper comes up? It's like, oh, you're alive. Oh, yeah. So Obviously, you almost hit cheering. me with a couple they're, of those they're, bullets. They're, they're cheering off the chain at this point, right? They already saw the shark explode. They're, they're cheering oh, yeah. about when he's shooting at it. They're cheering about when he's dead. <laughs> they're cheering about movies being upbeat again and the 70s being mm-hmm. over finally. And, you know. <laughs> they're cheering Hollywood, so Hollywood just alone, talking Hollywood in the background, back. saying, like, I got a movie coming next year. You're going to cheer like a wedding's business. When we've made $100 million. And what, this was 75, right? Right, yep. Yeah. And Star Wars 77. What was the big summer movie 76? Right. Oh, summer of 76? Yeah. Star Wars. Was Star Rocky Wars seven... Summer? Rocky, Star Wars oh, no, Rocky was. No, Star Wars no, 76, was you're summer. asking. I was a I, I, big movie. I was like, oh, Rocky. Nope. But was Rocky a big on. summer movie? Was that summer? No. I don't. It wasn't summer, no. No, it wasn't summer. Was it King, no, King Kong? King Kong was... 76. That was also Christmas time. But, but it's Christmas time, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know about the summer. We didn't catch on really quick. The next when year, did, was... when did when did Midway come? Midway was June, so Midway. Oh boy, Midway. Of seventy of seventy six. Of seventy six, yeah. yeah. So if you right. made this movie today, yeah. you can't end it like this. You have to see Brody get back to shore and well, hug his wife and say it's okay. A- a- April had the bad news bears and all the president's men. Great year already, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Omen. Our... The Omen no, that... was a big good hit. movie. Omen. Yeah, the Omen was a big hit. And that was in June. All of the music in this movie is fantastic. I still, the credits music is just as good. I love oh, yeah. how, like, so, so just as calm it is and, like, just giving you, like, this this breathing room as you watch these minimal credits and you see them in the background getting to shore and everything. It's just wonderful. It's a wonderful ending. There's no, like, it's 70s, so it means, you know, once the threat's eliminated, the movie ends, which I love right. about 70s movies. And, like, like in French Connection, it's like, well, it's over. Like, just like this, there's no, like, downbeat epilogue you need. It's just like, I guess we're done now. <laughs> that's, so, that's so many different movies in the 70s. Even even taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3 doesn't even need to conclude. It's just like, you know where this is going. It just like, stops, that's, yeah. such a brilliant yeah. It doesn't ending. even show the payoff. It's like, nope. <laughs> it's, there's so many movies like that. What a great movie that is. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's another one I think of when I think of perfect movies, Pelham. Yeah. I, I, I have a list of my iPhone but recently where I've just been adding to it every time I think, that's just perfect. Like, there's nothing wrong with this at all. Like, just, everything is perfect. I love the original Pelham. It's one of my faves. Oh, yeah. I love just seeing them get up in the background. That's just such a great way to like close this off. It's probably like a, it's not a scene, but it is. You're just like watching the end. All right, we're at shore now. That movie. Man. All the sharks are gone. 
perfect, <laughs> perfect picture. Until the revenge, right? Uh, yes. Well, now the this time is personal. This time is personal. That's where I came from, I believe. Jaws 4, I, right? Yeah. Jaws, yeah. That said, Jaws 2, just when he thought it was safe to go back in the water. One of the best taglines of all Great time. Tagline. Like that's, and, that's, and that's, the, that's just... Like, and whoever, that's not even... Uh, <laughs> the poster for Jaws is also one of the most incredible, iconic images that poster oh, yeah. oh, of course yeah it's just spectacular like the, they knew how to make this movie work <laughs> as far as like selling it like i showed my son i showed my baby infant my five months old son the cover of the 4k for no reason i just showed it to him and looked at it, i'm like boy that's the first time you're seeing that i've seen that image 10 million times mm-hmm. in my life you know <laughs> you to you it's nothing <sighs> so yeah that's jaws we talked all about that movie <laughs> there's probably more we could say about jaws but uh it, uh, it, it's 45 years old, and it's uh, you put it out now and just watch it and enjoy it because there's so much to love about that movie. As we wrap things up here, we can go over where everyone can be found. And uh, let's start with Jim Dietz. Where can people find more of your work online? Uh, weekly, we put out on Taylor Network a podcast. We have a weekly podcast called Nothing's On that covers the entertainment and TV news with professional comedian Donnie Salvo. Myself and Mr. Daryl Taylor, the king of that podcast network. Also, the Walking Dead TV podcast. You find me and Aaron Taylor and other uh, sort of knuckleheads talking about the zombie show uh, that isn't on anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon Peters, where can people find more of you? You can find me at uh, me, whysoblue.com. That's where I've been doing most of my work lately. Um, uh, Call some cavalcade.com podcast I have. And uh, at PT Peters on Twitter. Yeah, and say anything you'd like to plug. You know, I'm just the guy from your podcast right now. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm uh, I'm baby jail. But uh, when I do have something to plug, I will be plugging it here. If you're kind sure. enough to invite me back after I bust into <laughs> your guys, I I talk over you guys so much. I'm so sorry. I don't mean to do that. I get excited. Yeah, God forbid you talk on a podcast. Right? <laughs> I just feel like I. They love the parts where it just goes silent and nobody yeah, talks. That's for what a people bit. I'm trying to watch Jaws, guys. Can you keep oh, it down? <laughs> I'm just saying. I think it's I'm going to have to take my earpods out. <laughs> I'll get there. I'll get there, guys. But no, you're good. Uh, you can find me at thecodyz.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher, and everywhere else you can find podcasts. Feel free to email us at down.podcast.com. Our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages are all out there. You can find them. There's links to that in the show notes for the show if you need to not know where that is already. Um, I thank you, Brandon, Jim, and Yancey, for joining me for this Jaws commentary track. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Awesome. And that's going to do it for this commentary. Until next month, so long and goodbye.